Hey everyone, and welcome to the show. I'm Mike. And I'm Marty. And this is Two Guys, A League, and Some Guests. Let's get it started. But I got to get into it with you right away. Tom, it, Tom's looking, I don't know, man. It, lo- it looks like the, the armor has been penetrated, if you will. Yes. And I, I mean, he, if we can even say, if we can go a little bit further than that and say that the armor has been uh, switched over to you, um, I think that's fair to say. Well, I mean, in, in regards to his team, I mean, Bennington is killing him. Bennington was going to be, it was that guy that I'm sure he was looking forward to, you know, three out of every four starts or three out of every five kind of deal. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he's, and he's giving him nothing right now. And we'll, we'll get into that as you can see with some of the numbers I put up there and some of the stuff that you're mentioning as well. I mean, fuck man, it's, uh, there, there, there's definitely, like like I said in in my write up, there's the, the, the tipping point I think is at hand. Yeah. So now it looks like, you and Tom will be tied for first, but Tom is, like you said, like he's in a bit of a downward spiral at the moment. Um, not to suggest that at any given point his team can't turn around, because certainly can. He's got lots of talent on that team. But um, yeah, maybe not as untouchable as uh, a couple of weeks ago, as or at least as we all thought at one point. My brother and I were talking about you, though, because like, you now... Your goals for, for a while, you and I were kind of neck and neck, and now I've just sort of hit a, a wall this last week or so. Um, you're you're kind of, you're the one to worry about at this point. You, your boy, none of your guys are, are slowing down. You've got a very consistent team, a uh, very solid team. You made a, a trader too um, to sort of solidify things. You got a new goalie. Well, I picked up Campbell just to really kind of solidify my goaltending because, look, as much as I love Carter Hart and the kids actually having not that bad of a year, and we'll get into that a little bit too. Um, the, I mean, dude, and and we're going to talk about Philly as well. And it's like, what are they? Period. Period. What what, what are you? No, because I'm not because sure Philly we know you're nothing that. for this year. <laughs> no, we know you're nothing for this year, but but at least do some things right that you can't <clears throat> that you can uh, with the remaining games not even games but the remainder of the season do something right so that you're you're leading into next year with with a clear vision don't end the season on on <laughs> another what what was their losing streak 16 games something like that like i i think they've had two if i'm not mistaken it's two eight game losing streaks or two ten, two ten game losing streaks. two tens and the last one was i think so, so to 16 oh man like it's just uh, yeah it's a and, and the and the kid and the and the kid's playing playing some solid hockey. Like for for yeah. where he's at, for for what's going on, he's playing some solid hockey. But it's just like what's going on. Yeah. I don't want to say too much more because yeah. we're yeah, taking we'll it from it, the program. Yeah. But no, anyways, no, back to like you and not, your team though. Like with the whatever, however many moves you did, your team didn't really need that many moves. But you you know going out and getting Campbell just means you're that much better. And yeah, like you're you're killing it in points. Um, I think you're that's what almost thirty points ahead of the last guy or the next guy over and. Your record now is going to match that, so. I mean, probably the bigger deal out of, don't get me wrong, I I actually am pretty 
comfortable with the, the Campbell move. I'm wondering if maybe he's going to be struggling the rest of the way. We'll see. He's gone through some struggles of late, but uh, the one that kind of really gets me excited is the Cairo deal because that's not just going to be something for a stretch run, but at 23 years old, mm-hmm. I'm going to probably have a hard time. Uh, well, I mean, listen, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure if people go through my lineup, they can probably pick him as one of my last keepers. Mm-hmm. And if he isn't a keeper, then... You know, I'm sure that one of these rebuilding teams are going to be interested potentially in that. Will I be able to get, you know, the exact uh, amount back that I paid for, which was a first round? Remains to be seen if I even decide to go that way. But, I mean, it's, it. you know, it was certainly an interesting trade because, you know, I've never really made many moves like that when I'm in a contending position where I'm going after uh, such a young player. Mm-hmm. But I mean, look at the way the kids have been playing so far this year. Well, mm-hmm. remains to be seen what what's going on in the second half. But he definitely has uh, uh, quite a number of four game weeks, which was something I looked into uh, pretty uh, pretty astutely as I was making uh, you know my uh, final final decision on him. Uh, so I mean, he's definitely going to help over the second half of the season in man games anyway. But you know, let's let's wait and see what happens production wise here too. I think he's at this point now. I think it is safe to say that he is the real deal. He doesn't play like <clears throat> like anybody who seems nervous so too. or anybody who seems out of place. He's got a good thing going on in St. Louis, and it's just going to get better for him and anybody who's got him on their team. So you know, good for you. He's a player that was on I think a lot of people's radars, and I just I honestly th- saw him as someone Scott was going to be protecting. Not to suggest that he did well, a bad too. mood in, in doing the trade either, but. I don't think I don't personally, I probably would have kept him um, if I were Scott, just because of what he's doing with his team and how he's rebuilding and all. But uh, again, you know, he got himself a first round pick out of it. It's not going to be bad. So. Well, and and that's the thing too, right? And that's one of the things, and, you know, maybe I'm giving away a couple of secrets here in regards to how I do my business, but I mean, look, we're all, I think we can all kind of figure each other out a little bit here. Uh, You you kind of wait and look for your open door opportunities, I guess I'll call them. And I I mean, looking at a couple of years down the road and I, through my talks with Scott, I knew that he was interested in getting a first rounder in that year where he traded it to um, uh, Joel. Now, I can't remember if it was Joel uh, or, or... um, Scott that actually made that deal or if it was uh, part of a Jamie deal I think it was Scott but either way he was missing a first rounder and you just kind of, you kind of jump on the opportunity it was something I knew he was yeah. leaning a little bit more to, leaning a little bit more towards and I can see where he's coming from with Cairo did he want to keep him absolutely but I you got to kind of look off into the future a little bit right he's kind of looking at that first rounder and kind of saying, okay, like that's kind of, you know, when I'm really hoping my team's going to start to take shape, mm-hmm. you know, Kyrie by that point is 25, 26, still kind of coming into his, you know, his serious years, mm-hmm. but it all, all, all kind of depends on how the GM looks at it. And does that GM kind of want to build from like a, you know, kind of a three and four or five year bubble of players and mm-hmm. kind of have them all move up together. So, I mean, you just kind of look at your opportunities and that was one where I kind of, just jumped at that a little bit, knowing that he wanted the first round. And I was, for that type of a player and for where my team is at, getting a younger player, you know, I got guys like Goudreau and stuff like this that eventually you're going to kind of want to move on from just because of age. So you kind of trade one out for the other and kind of, you know, looking in the future a little bit here as I kind of make my march towards, well, contending status as it is right now and hopefully, uh, you know, for years to come here. So we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. And <laughs> as soon as you said 
is he the kind of player that or, or Gujo would be the kind of player that at some point because of age that you just you'd want to let go of <laughs> the first thing that came to my mind was like well it fit on my team <laughs> Man, dude dude don't don't even start bud don't even start we know how you are with nice shiny things right that's right <laughs> so do you not think do you not think that i was coming down over to the Bergans knocking on the door bud <laughs> oh don't at worry. some point for sure don't worry let them retire uh, on my I, team. That's uh, what they're for. Or that's what my team's for. <laughs> I, I will say this. When when and if I'm ready to trade him, you will definitely be getting a call. That's a for sure. Makes sense. And again, <laughs> in terms of retiring on my team, that is what people do on my team. Uh, I'll give you a pick for a retiring player because that's what we do, right? Tuka Rass decided to retire right after I traded for him. Gave up a fourth for him. I did reach out to Scott afterwards, not in an, an effort to get him to reconsider or to anything other than just to say, you know, this, this is funny. Cause I, I don't think he, he knew at the time when I reached out to him and he did express some like, ah, I'm sorry, man. Like, you know, I feel kind of bad, but at the end of the day, nobody should feel bad about it. Uh, you know, you make a trade, well, these no, things I mean, happen. I mean, anything can happen. Somebody can get injured and then that injury ends up, they end up retiring and they could be like in their, 20s for god's sakes it, it just happens um but uh, I mean, uh, it's funny the i mean the only thing you could have done and it, it has happened a little bit in our league yeah. um i know i did a little bit in regards to picks when i was kind of going through a rebuild i didn't want to lose out on picks in case there was a year where they kind of canceled it because of a, a, a cba issue or whatever yeah um and i know and i i believe tom has had one recently in regards to malkin and, and it picked uh towards jay or something like that so but i mean it hasn't been, been done very often and it's like you know there was really no indication no. really that it it was anywhere kind of near this i mean i think we all knew he had hip issues and stuff and that's why he didn't start the season and you know kind of mid-july uh, mid-july mid-january here the guy kind of comes back into play a little bit and you know i mean some people were saying you know had he had a couple of games in the a maybe he would have been able to figure it out before getting to the nhl but i mean there uh you know like i, I think uh, long story short it was, it was a surprise to everybody and i mean it's not like anybody had any inclination that this guy may kind of call it a career here before you no. made that made that swap a pick so no. you know it just so happens that it's you and <laughs> it's your team yeah. that that ends up taking the hit you know i remember a couple of years back i think uh, it had to do with habby Boolin, i think and joel's team i think a number of years ago might have had something to do with oh, okay. uh, him retiring or something like that. Kind of mid, kind of mid year, I think too. I think it involved uh, Vasilevsky at the time. I'd have to look oh. back on it, but I think there was something like that too back uh, back a couple of years. But I mean, it doesn't happen often in our league where somebody ends up kind of missing out on something like that. Yeah. And in particular, in particular, when they've, you know, I, I, listen, I'm not putting any salt into the wound here. I'm just being you know realistic. I mean, it certainly doesn't happen. Uh, happens even rarely when there's an asset involved. So, uh, you know, um, it, it, tough, tough go for him, but I mean, I think it would, I think it would have hurt a lot more had I done the trade for a player, um, doing the trade for a pick oh, yeah. stings less. I mean, in the end, it's still a yeah, player, yeah. right? But it, uh, like I'll, I'll, let's say this I, next season or no, sorry, that pick was for, I think it's for like two years from now kind of thing. Uh, so I'll try so to you have time. You have time. Yeah. And I'll try to remember, um, that, that particular year for that particular pick, just to see what player it is and and just see if like, all right, not that it changed anything, not that I'll be able to go back in time. But uh, again, it's, you know, it's a gamble. I lost. Moving on. <laughs> I can't I can't look back on it. 
Hey, wouldn't that be something that's interesting if we were to pick out some sort of trade, whether that's in the NHL or whatever, or uh, in particular, maybe even our own league and kind of see a trade tree? That'd be kind of interesting. Yeah. Here and there. I, just to kind of like, you know, let's, we'll start off with this one right here. Like, we'll wait a couple of years and yeah. we'll still be doing the podcast. So, yeah. And uh, we'll, we'll see wait a couple of years down the road and yeah. see how it all turns out. It'll that's, be interesting to see. That will I be mean, interesting. We'll have to put I'm, a note on that. I'm, I'm sure there have been some like doozies in regards to oh my god! At the end of the day, look at who this guy gave I up. I would or, say, and and that's the and that's the hard thing too. Like, you can sit there and you know it's all 2020 once you get all the information, but yeah. maybe I wouldn't have picked said players, or maybe I would have went in a different direction. So, okay. you know, it's in in the eye of the beholder, I guess. Actually, but. it's funny you should say that too because there is one uh, there's one move that I, and I don't I don't. In the entire, what was it, seven years, ten years of Scott and I owning a team together, I never, ever second-guessed any move we ever made except for one. There's only one move that came back to bite, and Scott will agree on this. There's only one move that came back to bite us in the ass, and we both regret it, and it's his fault. <laughs> it was it, There was a year where John Carlson was available, and um, yeah, I know exactly yeah. where you're going. I know exactly where you're and going. He chose. I now I don't even remember the freaking the other player. I'll go back and find out and, and I'll talk about it. But it just goes to show you that since that year's every every year since Joel has protected him because that year Carlson exploded. He had a good year the, the year before. Anyways, he, we all know what Jar, John Carlson is. And at the time, for some reason, Scott just didn't feel, you know, cozy with him. And uh, and let's just say he made a compelling argument that I just felt like, all right, fine, we won't pick him. We'll pick this other guy, this clown, okay. <laughs> which got us nowhere. <laughs> and uh, and yeah, and the, and the rest is history, right? So so that was that's the only time. So there, there there's there are there are times that I can remember where um, I wanted certain players, and, and Scott kind of talked me out of it, and it was a smart move. So you know, I, I want to be fair here and say like Scott, you know, he had that one flip up, but I mean, so I've I've had my fair share as well, and actually the Tuka Rask is another one too. So, um, but anyways, hey man, we we've we've all been there. Oh, we've yeah. all been there. It Each happens. and every one of us, man, have made one. It's what makes the league hey, interesting. So, I guess so it's all good. So I guess seventeen minutes into this recording, we're probably into the show at this point. Oh yeah, I think we went right Let's, into it, so that's good. Oh, we just dove right in there. <laughs> Head first. So for so for for those of you out there, it's uh, episode fifteen, and uh, Marty and I have had a nice little discussion here before even uh, <laughs> officially starting the show. I find it's always interesting too the way we start our show. I love the that it's like people get the idea that oh we're walking into a conversation. Mike and Marty are just sitting at the end of the bar and they're having a conversation, and we're just sort of either eavesdropping or uh, sitting next to him or or joining in. And that's um, I like that concept. That's why we do it this way. I don't know if everybody sort of caught on to that. Um, but anyways, just, just wait, just. Just wait for the week where we are actually at the yeah. bar, at the end of the bar, <laughs> yeah. sitting there with our laptops yeah. and just sitting there having a couple wobbly pops. Yeah, and that actually, and that's uh, off the be- off the bench with Beaks. They did that, and that's kind of a I don't know I, I don't know that I could say that I got the idea from them or anything because who doesn't like to have a couple of wobbly pops while they're talking hockey? So, but anyways, there's an episode Absolutely. where they were in the bar uh, in Colorado, and it was just it was a great episode. Uh, if you haven't checked it out yet, you guys should. But anyways, um, so yeah, so. I saw that you put up a question. Uh, are there going to be any more trades in the Howe division because it's so tight? And uh, sorry, is and I, one thing I forgot to check, is Ryan winning his week? 
Uh, yes, he is. Okay, so that that tightens things up even that more. So Ryan's going to be oh, at oh yeah, man, nine and seven. Joel and I are going to be tied at ten and six, so one game behind us. You're going to be in the lead with uh, eleven and five, and then Tom is going to be at eleven and five. So yeah, you'll be tied with Tom. So fudge, man, that's one, two, three, four, five. I mean, the the, the usual suspects at this point all sort of running into each other. Um, I'm gonna one thing I'm gonna say right now is I did. I looked into doing a trade because of the whole Tuka Rass thing. And then I, I decided not to because at the end of the day, I'm not completely... <laughs> it's funny. I, I'm such a Gemini. On the one hand, <clears throat> I have not given up on my team. I, I, I do have faith in them. And I, I thought about a couple of trades and I thought, nah, you know what? I'm, I'm not going to get that much better. I'm going to deplete my picks. I've already done that. Um, so it's pretty it's pretty obvious I just just sort of stamp at and hope for the best. But on the other hand, I can read the terrain. I've down I've been down this road before. I can tell what's going to happen. I'm about to fall off completely. I'm going to I'm going to end up out of the money as usual. Uh I'll my record will end up somewhere around 500. This is the first week for that. This this is the week of where that ship has sailed and I, I, I've been down this road so many times. I could read the terrain. The writing's on the wall. C'est fini pour Marte. I'm just going to say that brigands okay. are done. <laughs> okay. Okay. Now I'm going to be here to play devil's advocate. Okay. And I'm going to be here to <laughs> push my argument that you certainly don't have to be uh, overly concerned. I mean, look. The record speaks for itself, okay? You're 10 and 5 right now. Yes, you're having a rough week against Joel, but he did have you in man games. Mm. You did have some injuries in regards to Ovi. I know that stones out right now, but with some of the moves that you made, you definitely shored up your goaltending with Samsonov. Yes, Tuka Rask is a little bit of a hit and miss, but again, nobody would have or could have seen that, even yourself. Like, I mean, that was a shock to everybody. Um, There's no loss, no gain kinda... there, really. Like, I didn't lose nope, anything, nope. really. I hadn't started it. I'm not gaining anything. So at the end of the day, I just lost a pick, and I, my team can still move on. I still got Huso. Uh, I still got, uh, like I said, Samsonov and um, well, Saros and uh, Bobrovsky. So I am fine in nets. I was and... looking for insurance with Rask. <laughs> In regards to your defense, you added some nice, uh, some nice uh, pieces there. Uh, in regards to McAvoy in particular, now yeah. I mean, look at the guy doesn't come off the board and say, "Oh my God, sixty-point player." But listen, he's in a good situation. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know what he's going to do the rest of the year, but I mean, with being on that top power play in Boston, and when everybody's healthy, I know that uh, Marchand's out right now with the suspension. We'll see what uh, the appeal uh, uh, gives him there. But I don't think your team is in this complete downward spiral or spiral or anything like that not yet just coming off it's the coming. five just no just coming off the well I, I i don't think so i mean when it really comes down to it i mean you you have a team that dude i mean i'm not telling you anything you don't know you have a team that can go off any week i mean barkov crosby kane first liners marshall first liner ovechkin first liner Tavelski's playing out of his mind in dallas Tarasenko's in a good situation where he's not the uh, go-to guy per se, so he falls in the lineup a little bit and is kind of hidden uh, from uh, uh, better checking. Tavares, I mean, the list goes on and on. You've got some good pieces that can come in off the bench in Burakovsky and Burnett. And at the end of the day, okay, so Rask, again, you know, a little bit of a hit and miss there, but you got Houston Bobrovsky. Uh, Samsonov is, is a really nice kind of third or fourth guy if you need to go that deep. And you got Saros. So, yeah, tough week this week. 
But, I mean, you just came off of rifling five off. I mean, I certainly don't see any kind of, like, major, major drop-off here. Now, look, I mean, we all go through ups and downs. Some of our, our lineup, you know, maybe a good half of our, our starters, you know, are having a rough week, whatever that particular week. And you had yours this week. Didn't have Marchand for, you know, that full week in, in any stretch and means there. And, and, I mean, this guy's playing out of his mind. <laughs> so... I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I see where you're coming from, and I certainly won't take it away from you. Like, you know your team better than anybody, and the kind of ups and downs and the ebbs and flows, you, you may be feeling that that ebb where you're like, oh, I don't know, man. But I don't know. I, I think you made some solid picks at midseason, which really helped out secondary scoring. The trades that you made for goaltending and defense, uh, you, you know, some people can argue, okay, well, did he really need to do it? But again, did I really need to go after Campbell? Did I really <laughs> need to go after Cairo? So, it, you know, we're sitting there saying, okay, look, uh, we've got a team that we think we can <clears throat> make a run with. You, you certainly do. Even after this week, you're only one game behind. So, you know, you're right in the thick of and things. And right there, that's it, that's the reason why I feel that I think in any other year, I wouldn't be so pessimistic about my chances, but it's because of the type of year that this is, that it's so tight with those five teams that you can't give an inch. Um, you just, you can't afford it. So with the momentum of certain players playing the way they are, like you mentioned Pavelski. Yeah, he's been lights out, but he's actually been pretty quiet lately. Same thing with Ovechkin, same thing with Kane. Um, I've got some players who, a gossip bear that I picked up he's sort of gone quiet ever since I picked up Goligoski same thing these are players I picked up to because they were doing well and I expect them to continue but they have sort of tapered off so my the the pieces I've got while still good are starting to get cold so at the wrong time right and with the way the other team's players are playing like Joel's team is starting to come around I mean for God's sakes he's about to get Eichel infused into his is his team as on top of everything else like so his is kind of trending in a different direction right you your team has been so consistent all year long that you don't have really anything to worry about you're actually if anything you're actually you've been increasing your points per per game lately so your team again trending in the right direction um tom and i are kind of trending in, in the same direction where we're like there's still hope but it's really starting to fade a little bit because again you can start to see where your players are starting to struggle and you're starting to see like I, I or the confidence is starting to get shaken with that like stone i'm realizing stone now this is going to tip my hat a little bit but stone i didn't know this he has not played a full season since uh the shortened season last year which so it doesn't really count right like he has the closest he's come i think is 74 games to a full season and he's done that maybe once he is a you know huge talent but a huge injury risk every single year. He's been on the shelf. This would be this is now his fourth time on the shelf this year alone. He's only up to like I think 29 games. Uh where is it? Okay, stats and now he's 28, sorry, even less. Like it's a he's going to if he's on if if the season goes the way it's going, he's on pace for 47. Like He's just a liability. Like as as good as he might be when he's in the lineup for a, a team, a fantasy perspective, he's not. You can't rely on him because at any given point he's out in that week. So that's what I'm sort of left with on the bench. Now I do have 
I'm going to say my only secret weapon in Verana, who's going to uh, come back at some point very soon, hopefully. And if he's any, if last year is any indication, he's going to tear it up in Detroit. Detroit's a good team offensively. They're fun. And he's got some players that he can play with and he played with them last year. So there's some promising stuff right there. So while I may not be in, infusing an Eichel in my, in my lineup, uh, the potential is actually pretty close with Verana, but is it going to be enough? I don't think he so. W- he was a point per game player last year. Yeah, and a lot I of mean, goals from the from the time. So. <laughs> yeah, from I believe he had something like eleven and eleven for twenty two in I don't know what like twenty two or twenty three games, whatever. Somewhere. It was close to a point a game. So mm-hmm. I mean, the nice thing about it is you're basically adding. Uh, it's like a trade deadline acquisition where you didn't have to give up any assets. Yeah, and I mean. It's always interesting with these guys like a Stone and, I mean, more recently, a guy like an Eichel who's missed a fair bit of time. Mm -hmm. I know a lot with the disc over the last little while, but has Mm -hmm. missed time before. In regards to your risk tolerance, what are you willing to put up with, right? Like, okay, Eichel's probably... You know, Eichel's probably one of those easier decisions. I mean, the guy is yeah. you know, uh, second overall pick. The guy's been a point-per-game player most of his career. So you're sitting there and you're like, okay, I'm willing to, to take this risk, i.e. your brother's sitting there all year without having Eichel. Now, talk about a trade, trade deadline acquisition as long as the guy fits in well and as long as the guy produces, right? So it's 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 always interesting when you've got those we'll call them Band-Aid boys, like Dauber does. Uh, you get these guys who tend to have some sort of injury most years. I'll put Barkoff kind of in that, yeah. that area a little bit too. Uh, you know. But but again, when these guys are in the lineup, they're scoring you, like, in most cases, more than a point a game. Yeah. So, so you're, you really got to kind of sit there and say, okay, where, where's my team at? Am I a contending team? Mm-hmm. Is this somebody that I can continue to move on with? And... You know, in particular, if he does get injured, am I okay with him being a secondary scorer? Do I have the type of roster to, to, to weather that? So it's always been kind of interesting when you see those top players, but they do happen to have an injury history and how certain managers have managed either those expectations or that, like I mentioned, the risk tolerance mm-hmm. of that particular player. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's down the stretch. It's still going to be interesting. For our league, there's still going to be some. Uh, there's going to be tight games. It's going to be like every week is going to be worthy of staying next to the scoreboard to see what's going on. Um, but I, you know, safe to say my prediction for now will be, uh, yeah, you and Tom fighting it out. Joel could easily roll in there and sort of contend with you guys as well. But I do think that Ryan and myself will be um, sort of fading off soon enough. (laughs) Ryan's kind of on an upswing too, though, like right now. So who knows? He can come back as well. See, Everything being so tight, it really could go anyway. But my my prediction for now would be that it'll be between you, maybe even you and Joel. Uh, Tom's going to be in the mix just because he's he's obviously going to win that division. But um, like... Joel, once Eichel comes back, Eichel's not going to struggle in Vegas. It's too strong a, he's too strong a player, and that's too strong a team with too many opportunities, like, and too much fun. He's just going to have so much fun in Vegas. It's just there's no way that doesn't work. Um, so yeah, so I think it's, uh, I th- yeah, I think it's between you and and my brother and kind of Tom. I feel like I have to say that. I, I will say this. If there is another trade, back to that question that yeah. kind of started this off at the top. I mean, I, I will say if there is 
a team. And I did mention specifically the how division, which is our division. So you, me, Joel, and, uh, and Ryan. So that's the Cougars, the Apocalypse, the Brigands, and the Dragons. I do believe there is going to be one, at very least, one more trade involving those teams. But the, here's, the, here's the caveat of that. I believe that it will be someone like Tom that will, in, that will initiate that trade. The only reason I think that one of us will be in there was, you know, there have been a number of trades made between Tom and Ryan. So I could see something like that happening. But I just, I foresee him really making a push for a goaltender. I don't know if he'll be able to get that out of his own division or not. Um, but... I do see him making Rask is available. I'm just saying. Hey, hey, listen, man, and he's at a cheap price, bud. Real cheap, yeah. like like discount bargain like bin just, prices, yeah, bud. Like just come over and give me a handshake. He's yours. <laughs> All right, listen. Let's move on think- to. Um, I want to talk about Philly. Just and I, I know we've done this before with Philly. I don't want to necessarily feel like we're beating a dead horse with Philly, but I do want to say that Philly. Philly at this point now, okay, so our conversation about Philly before was more about we were discovering that this team was just garbage and sort of looking into it and realizing there's nothing with this team. Like there's no identity. Nobody knows what's going on. Like you had mentioned too at one point, or sorry, it might be in the notes, uh, that Clark kind of went at Hextall at one point, which was, you know, unnecessary and and kind of out of left field. And he's just shifting blame, I guess, for, for what the team is right now. But at the end of the day, this team is sort of been heading into where they are right now for a while because again there's no there's no pieces for a structure of any sort right but that was then what i'm what i'm more interested in talking about right now is the fact that now is the time to you're obviously not going to contend next year because you you're this year was so horrible you can't possibly think you're going to contend next year so now, in my opinion, now would be the time to start writing the ship and, and finding some sort of structure, make some damn moves, and be respectful to a, a guy like Claude Giroux. And, and, you know, we talked about last week, you know, get him out of there. Get something in return and start the rebuild and do it the right way. You can get something pretty good out of uh, Giroux and, and just give yourself some sort of structure, give yourself some sort of identity, you know? Well, I'm for me, it, it, it comes down to... I feel like this team made more moves than they ever needed to over the offseason. I mean, good. I mean, good angle. You, you know, you, you, you're 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 bringing in Cam Atkinson for Jake Voracek. Uh, okay, I mean, I'd have to take a deeper dive into it. I know that I'm looking at Atkinson right now. He's got 36 points in 47 games. Not bad, you know. 17. He's potted 17 with 19 assists, uh, plus 10. So you know, the numbers aren't too too bad. But I mean. It, to me, that really seems, if anything, more of a linear move than anything. Just kind of trading one in for one out, like at uh, best, you know, it's continue. a linear move. Just because it's not like um, it's not like uh, Vorsichek wasn't necessarily doing anything for them. He was very serviceable. He did the job. He got the job yeah. done, and he he was what he was. I don't think going out and getting Atkinson was really is definitely wasn't a step up and in my opinion it was a bit of a step down I'm not sure what the hope was maybe because he was a bit younger that they can hold on to the same type of player a little bit longer again it doesn't really do anything it just kind of keeps you stagnant now I mean you know and another guy is kind of wrist aligning uh on defense you know I 
And maybe I'm missing something here. Maybe I'm missing some sort of anal- anal- analytical darling or something like that. But again, I just I, I I just don't think that was the type of player you need. I mean, the one the one pickup that I that I did like, and unfortunately, it just haven't hasn't paid any dividends because he's been injured all year. Is Ryan Ellis? Now oh, I don't yeah. think this guy necess- I don't think he saves our season. But the guy did have five points in four games. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I wish I could have got you know a very very small sample size. But I mean, you know, he could have offered you a little bit of stability on that back end it's mm-hmm. just i just the thing the thing about philly over the past few years is one they just seem to be a little bit dysfunctional in, in kind of where they want to go and and what they are and uh, you know just kind of mentioned it with all of these moves you're kind of you know one for one and you know if you were maybe getting younger or you know maybe you were making some of these trades to get a piece you were really looking for like I- i'm sorry atkinson is a nice piece but don't tell me that this is a guy you've been craving for the past five years you know what i mean no and and i i just i just find that you know, management in particular probably hasn't offered this group any kind of, um, when I say consistency, I mean just like roster consistency. Like there always seems to be a little move going on in Philly for whatever reason that is. And I mean, that if you want, you can even go back to the Mike Richards and the yeah. uh, Jeff, Jeff, Carter. Jeff Carter days when, yeah. when they were moving these guys out for all sorts of pieces, Braden Shens and yeah. Wayne Simmons out of LA. And, you know, it seemed unnecessary. Off, uh, well, it, it it just you want you want the roster to have some sort of consistency. You want these guys to kind of build as a family a little bit. I mean, we all know how this goes. I mean, the the more you can offer some sort of you know team that can kind of come in and you know make every team's got to make a few changes around the edges every off season. But mm. if you can have that core group just kind of keep coming back and 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 you know offering them you know some familiarity, I just I don't know. I mean. We've talked about it before at length, and you know another thing about the Flyers is this has always been kind of a, a, a lunch pail team, right? Kind of yeah. get in there, go to work. They've really kind of taken on the persona of the people out there in Philadelphia, and I can I can certainly say right now with the eye test, I don't see that team. I don't see a bit of a rough and tumble physical team. You know, kind of hard to play against. You, you don't really want to go into Philly. I mean. You know, I, one of the broadcasters, I can't remember what I was watching a few days ago, but they even mentioned it. Is it really that scary to walk into the Philadelphia Wells Fargo Center over the last couple of years? Not really. No. I mean, it, it, certainly, it certainly hasn't been the place that's kind of as intimidating as it used to be, so... I mean, and it, it, that that I, could be, you know, that could be a, an old mentality of of what things used to be like in Philly. Like, there, there's a lot yeah, to perhaps. live up to um, in terms of that lore and that history of that team. Where, you know, the broad, no, not the broad state bullies, but the um, what was their name? There, where even where Clark was playing back in the day, and Phil Esposito, and they were tough. Oh, like, no. they had they had so yeah, much broad gr- street bullies. It was okay. Yeah, yeah so broad the, street. Yeah, the whole grit and being afraid of them, and then, you know, Clark is still involved in the team, so maybe that's part of the problem uh trying to hold on to those memories and trying to hold on to that image but really you're not building a team like that and in today's nhl it just it really doesn't have that much of a place for for success anyways um there what i see is i see a lot of i also see a lot of unfortunately some failed projects that just were supposed to be a lot better than what they turned out to be uh the first one i see is i see sean couturier who you know, a lot of promise. He's he's still a good player and everything, but definitely not what they had hoped. Uh, they weren't able to build a team around him. Um, he's had a couple of good years, you know, 76 points, 30 plus goals. 
But he has been so inconsistent himself, uh, not near a point a game at all. In fact, he's closer to the you know one point every two games kind of player, which is not what they expected when they drafted him. It's not the player that anybody really thought he was going to be. Um, I just see, and James and Ryan's like when they went out and got him the second time around, you know, he was, there was hope and promise for him uh, coming out of Toronto, but uh, that kind of went away pretty much as soon as he came back to Philly. He's another one who's had a lot of injuries as well. So that there's that to sort of consider. Joel uh, Farabee is another one who's just maybe not turning out. So what I'm getting at is I, this might just be as a result of, you know, we always talk about how teams rebuild and then they, they, they come back better and stronger and they end up in the playoffs and all that stuff. This, is, this might be a perfect example of a rebuild gone wrong and people just not, ad, not admitting to it because it, it basically means their job and they might get fired if they come out and say, you know what, the rebuild didn't work. We got to start over again. Uh, having to restart on another rebuild, tell your fan base that, that's a difficult thing to do. But I think that's where they're at now. And, and they may have been there. It, it might be a couple of years now that they've been there and that where they should have pressed the reset button on the rebuild a second time, probably a lot longer ago. And maybe today they'd be in a better place because there's nothing on this team. Well, I think, I mean, I hate to kind of use the, the, the term, but the mushy middle, right? Like, I mean, these guys are nowhere near the top and they're, and they're, they're nowhere near like a Montreal is kind of, you know, no. going for a, a, a high draft pick or anything. Mm-hmm. Now, look, it, it, it is, it, that's through circumstance. I mean, Montreal is absolutely shit to bed the whole year. So, I mean, mm-hmm. they are where they are because, you know, now Philly has had some rough stretches there and, and, you know, they've had a couple of games here and there where they play well, but I mean, but just by their record, I mean, it's, it's not, it's nothing to uh nothing to uh really speak of much of anyway um i, I just the lack of direction i i kind of keep going back to like what you know what what are the philadelphia flyers like i mean we just we kind of don't know what they are they're they're a little bit all over the place in the actual construct roster construction yeah. i mean look i i don't want this is a, this is not a team that needs to scorch it to the ground that's for sure now I certainly foresee some sort of rebuild going on here. I mean, Something. there is talk about there's talk about Giroux heading out, and I I think as long as that's what he wants to do, you you got to yeah. make some sort of a move there and get some sort of an asset back for him. Yeah. I mean, look, they're, they're not these guys aren't having you know uh, point per game years here, but I'm going down the lineup and you got Travis Konechny that you can have in the fold. Uh, Joel Farabee, um, Ivan Provorov. You kind of keep going down here and there. You know, another Ryan Ellis is a guy that you can kind of build around here. But again, they're going to have to make the decision here of are we kind of doing a little bit more of a retool, which I would probably stick away from at this point. I think you really got to lean on a rebuild here in regards to just in, in you know getting infusing some some young talent. Uh, you know, sw- switching it up a bit here in regards to the direction, because I mean, obviously this was a team that was trying to make a go for the playoffs here with some of the yeah. trades they made in the off season. You're not going to ship uh, uh, Voracek out to get Atkinson in uh, thinking that you're going through a rebuild there. I mean, they were obviously <laughs> trying to make the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, it's not going to happen. Didn't so, I mean, you know, no, it just didn't work out. Their, for them. So, their, I mean, their top uh, moment this year uh, was when Keith Yandel broke the Iron Man streak. That's been their top moment. And he's a minus 27, by the way. So that's your top moment for the year. That's that's not a I good mean, year. They're in top. <laughs> and that's they're, a clear they're... indication that um, while I don't, 
I might disagree with you in terms of uh, blowing it all up. I I do feel outside of Carter Hart, everyone's available. So that to me okay. is a, that is a blow up um, because I do think you should do it. I do think you should be aggressive for picks and young players with everything you've got. Um, Atkinson, Giroux, Konecki, Lawton, Farabee, Provenov, like they're all available. Nobody is safe except for Hart. Hart like is still uh, promising, still playing well on a horrible team with 289 and 911, even one shutout. I don't know how the hell he managed to shut out, but he did. That that's good. Uh, you hold on to that. There's still lots of hope for him. He's still young and he's still a good goalie. He's still an NHL co- uh, quality goalie. You've got no reason to ship him out, but absolutely everybody else is available. And this is kind of what I was getting at at the beginning of this is why isn't anything happening right now? Because now is the time. You've got teams interested in like the Claude Giroux and the Cam Atkinsons who will pick them up. I, I'm hoping I, you know, I'm hoping we're not hearing anything because the phones are ringing off the hook and and they're sifting through options and they're trying to decide okay which one makes the most sense or not necessarily makes the most sense which one's the best because the only thing that makes sense at this point is trying to find something and the only thing that makes sense is getting as many assets as you can because you're no matter what like what are you going to do you're going to trade Claude Giroux for uh, I don't know another aging veteran that doesn't make any sense so you 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 trade Claude Giroux for a couple of picks and maybe a, a, a the rights to a younger player so that you can get better in three years from now because it ain't next year so you know throw in the towel do a proper rebuild again sucks to say it sucks to have to go through it but at some point admit it you know, it's not working uh, and, and bite the bullet and just move on. But this year in, year out of like, oh, we can still. No, you're not going to do anything. <laughs> just restart. Here's a pretty interesting question. If you're a Flyers fan, OK, and let's say they, you know, they they make some deals here at the deadline and we can see that they're going to be going into a rebuild. OK, full on right. kind of, you know, maybe, maybe not scorched earth, but, you know, basically kind of getting rid of everybody. Yeah. Um, as a Flyers fan. And I'm going to hit Ryan up over mm-hmm. the course of the next few days. I, I'm I'm going to want to know an answer to this. That's right. Do you do you want Cliff Fletcher or not Cliff Fletcher? But do you want um, oh my God, which is a uh, Chuck Bobby. Fletcher? Uh, oh, Chuck Fletcher. Yeah. Do you do, yeah? Do you want Chuck Fletcher being the one that's leading you through this rebuild? My answer to that is an absolutely firm no. <laughs> no, no I no. want I want somebody else dealing with this. I I was never really the biggest fan of his as uh, Minnesota's GM. And I got to say, I'm not, when he went to Philly, uh, I mean, I I don't necessarily have a dog in the fight other than maybe particular players I've had throughout that roster over the years, but uh, I, it's never been exactly something I was really thrilled about uh, trying to put myself in a Philadelphia Flyers uh, fans perspective. Um, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I just don't think that that's the guy I want running the show. If I that's agree. Gonna go down. I couldn't agree more actually. And, and you think of it this way too, Montreal. So, okay. So, so Philly goes on two 10 plus game losing streaks, right? Still haven't caught, caught up to Montreal in the standings. <laughs> Somehow they're still ahead of Montreal in the standings. Okay. So they're still technically better than Montreal in that regard. So Montreal all season long, Outside of maybe the first week of the season, maybe two weeks, um, it's been pretty much a shit show. This has been a horrible year for Montreal, right? Today, right now, as a Montreal Canadiens fan, 
you have every right to be excited about the future versus Philadelphia fans. And that's, I'm saying that after just finishing what I, finishing what I just said, where Philly goes on two 10-plus uh, game losing streaks, one of them being 16, if not more, and yet somehow it's better to be Montreal than it is Philly. Because Montreal went out and got some great leadership, some new management, and the, and the future looks extremely promising in Montreal. Whereas with Philly, even though you've won more games this year, now, I wouldn't want to be a Philly fan. You guys look like you're a mess. You have no clue what you're doing. You have no direction. And the, the clock's running out on yet. And it's not this season I'm talking. I'm talking about next year. The clock's running out on next year for you guys already. And we're not even done with this season. So start figuring out because I, I, think, I think you're right. Like I, Although, oh, sorry, I'm going to say this. They got out. They went. And Daniel Briere signed with them. He's their yeah. uh, special assistant to the GM, is he not? Yeah. Okay, so you've got something there, but he really needs to. Is that maybe a stepping stone to him taking over next year? Maybe that's the intent there. Well, I, 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 I'm, I mean, it remains to be seen here what Philadelphia's ownership is going to want to do with with Fletcher. I mean, look, I. And maybe there's something I don't know in the background, and maybe I'm not reading the tea leaves properly, but I got to think, like, <laughs> you really haven't done anything over the past, like, let's say, what, two to four years here. Yeah. So, I mean, everybody can read the roster. Like, I mean, it's not only Fletcher that can see this roster. So, it, it to me, it certainly would seem that they may want to start going in a different direction here with where they're going to want to take this team. Now, having said all of that, we we've been watching hockey long enough, Marty, that we could be sitting here saying they need to rebuild this, that, and the other thing, and they're going to go out in the offseason and go and get all these middling guys again, and they're going to make another run. It's just the way Philly is sometimes, uh, I find. Yeah. But 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 I have to hope that they see where their roster is. They're they're in, and they see other teams' I, rosters. That's the that's the other thing too. Don't just look at your team. You got to look at what other teams are doing around you. And if you're not keeping up with them, guess where you're always going to be? Right where you are right now. If you don't if you don't change how you do things and adapt to the way other teams are doing it because there's success with the other teams, you're gonna be left in the dust again, and your fan base is gonna revolt at some point. <laughs> Well, I mean, look, it, it certainly is. Uh, uh, there's another tipping point in Philly, in my particular opinion. And I, I mean, I think they got to make a decision here leading up to the deadline. Where, What are we and, and what are we doing with our roster? I mean, plain and simple, I, I don't think you can continue to move forward with what you have. It's obviously not working out. I mean, you, you can you can mention injuries to Couturier or an injury to, to Ellis. I mean, and... and Hey, listen, these are these are decent players and hey, maybe that could have got them to an area where they are, you know, knocking on the door of the playoffs. I don't know. But suffice it to say, what we do know is that they are last in the Metropolitan Division. They're not going to be making the playoffs. I mean, that that Metro is stacked as it is. I mean, you're going to have a hard time probably even catching somebody like a Columbus, let alone the other, the other four teams at the top of that division. So Exactly, I mean, and that's what yeah, I mean about you uh, got to look around at what other teams are doing, especially if you're in the Metropolitan Division because you you can't afford to you can't afford to fuck around and and waste seasons that aren't even here yet. You're going to waste next season because you're waiting for for what? Like it, you're going to get more value out of Claude Giroux while he's playing right now than you're going to get out of him a like a year later or in the summer where he's that much older and the question marks start all coming up again. Like right now you can turn and say no no no. 
There's nothing wrong with this game. Look at him. He's just on a really shitty team. But man, he's doing it day in and day out. He's an all-star. He's, you know, he was the MVP at the all-star game, even whatever our feelings about the all-star game. But anyways, <laughs> it, it, you've got more trade uh, leverage while he's on the ice than you do when he's at home playing golf. So do it now. Like, otherwise, you're going to get less value. So that's, I don't know. That To me, that seems logical. <laughs> I do the exact same thing that I'm about to say in our, our fantasy league. I try to manage the assets that I have as best as I can. Sometimes you're going to lose that asset and mm -hmm. it's just going to go back into the free agent pile uh, in, in, in regards to our, our fantasy league. Mm -hmm. uh, most times I try to get whatever I can out of him. Maybe the guy's worth a second rounder and in the entry draft. But you know what? Because the other guy knows he's got me by the balls, maybe I'm only going to get a fourth rounder for him. But you try and get something for him, right? That's right. And it's kind of the same thing. It's kind of the same thing in regards to Philly. And Unless they have a discussion with Giroux and Giroux says, I do not want to be traded. And he does have a full no move clause. Yep. So if he sits there and says, I do not want to be traded from Philadelphia, fine, no problem. Yep. You honor what that player has earned the right to, to, to do and to, the decision that he was he had the right to make and you keep him. But if he come, if there is any kind of opening where he is uh, uh, accepting of a deal to another team, obviously to a contender, mm -hmm. then you have to make that deal. You've got to make that deal. End of story. There isn't this big decision about Claude yeah. Giroux and his legacy as a flyer. If you want him no. that bad, maybe you bring him back in the offseason at a, a lower ticket price. Right. But at the end of the day, there it is, end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when, when, it, when it comes down to it. Nice. <laughs> nice. Um, I mean, you, you got to make that move. And whatever yeah. you can get for him, you just continue to build for the future. So listen, I mean, Ryan, we, we certainly hope that you don't think we're really completely shitting on the flyers. Yeah. That's our opinion. And I, I would have to imagine you kind of feel the same way a little bit here moving forward, but we'll see how it all plays out here, man. Uh, I, I do foresee these guys making some deals uh, at or coming, uh, making their way to the deadline for sure. I feel we don't owe Ryan any sort of apologies because let's remember who our teams are, the Habs and the Oilers, okay? We got our own share of shit. Oh, we yeah, yeah, we got our own problems. So, Ryan, I'm not sorry, okay? <laughs> We're good. But I do want to have a conversation with you about the Flyers, so we'll figure that out. But there's... So, so moving on, there's a team out there right now I wanted to talk about just because I, I feel like if if they're and they're not currently in the playoffs, but I feel like if they if they miss it, there there's going to be it won't be appreciated as much as it should that they because this team really should be in the playoffs. Like I think it'd be very disappointing um, if they if they didn't make it. So 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 these are some of the numbers without getting into the team just yet. I'll tell you who it is in a second, but the, just getting into the numbers. Um, so they got, they got five players with 12 goals or more, three players with 20 or more, uh, a goalie with a record of, of 13 and five. They got the two goalies combined, actually have a 9-12 and a 2-67. Uh, so that's pretty solid right there. Uh, they're very young, um, even though they're not relying on their bigger names because they got some older names that are still good, but they're just not really necessarily that great anymore. And they still could be, though. Uh, they got grit. They've got balance, offense, and defense. Uh, tremendous home record of seventeen and six and one, and uh, and it's the Dallas Stars. Like I, I really feel now they've got some games in hand, so, th so there's going to be a bit of a play there for them, and it's in their favor. But um, you know, in the in the season where Tyler Sagan should be a lot better than he is, I really expected him to be a, a lot better this year. Um, and then Jamie Benz kind of regressed in the last three seasons. Is really hasn't 
he's just not the same Jamie Ben he used to be kind of thing. But still very, very much he's got a place and it makes sense. Like he got into a fight the other night uh, in Winnipeg and he's showing like standing up for his teammates and that kind of stuff. So he's still he's still a very good player. Um, Pavelski obviously has rediscovered himself, but the young core of Robertson, Heinz and uh, and Heiskinen. I mean, they've got winning all over them for the next you know five years easily um especially with odinger and nets as well like that's that's <laughs> there's a part of me that really wishes i would have held on to odinger but i mean in the end i got barkov and i went out and got samsov so anyways it all kind of plays out but odinger's going to win them a lot of games he's just going to keep getting better he's proven now at this point like he's He's another one. He's a number one goalie in the NHL, and that that's done. Now. We can stop questioning it. He's got great numbers, and he's just going to keep going. So now, but now this is this is kind of for this season for Dallas to not make the playoffs. I think again, I think it would be a disappointment, but I do believe they get there. I think there's still time. Uh, it's basically going to be there's going to be three places: sixth, seventh, and eighth between eight teams that they're all going to compete for. So. There's going to be so like I said, it's Dallas and St. Louis, but then there's LA and Anaheim who are currently holding the two of those spots as well. But then you still got Edmonton, Vancouver, and Winnipeg and San Jose. They're all within you know I think it's like seven or eight points of each other for those last two spots. And I think in the end it ends up being Dallas and St. Louis, but those other teams are going to you know cause some 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 issues for everybody. But but again, it, it, for for Dallas to not be in the playoffs right now, they're not they're ninth, right? Again, games in hand, all everything I just mentioned. But if they were to miss the playoffs this year, would you take that as a disappointment for a Dallas for the Dallas organizations if they didn't make the playoffs this year? I mean, I I, I would have to say the the initial reaction would be yes, um, just because of that that competitive spirit, right? That basically any team will have. True. I mean, it, it, that that's one, I, I will say, that's a great question. It, it's definitely one where, you know, publicly, they would be disappointed. Internally, I don't... Internally, I think they'd be disappointed as well. So uh, to, to, to the point where do, my, do they do major changes if they don't make it to the playoffs? Because I don't I, think I don't, they do. I, I, don't, I, I don't think so. And, and I think you and I are on the same page here because... I don't think this is a team I, I, I look. I mean, if you can get something at a, at a great price, and you know how sometimes that happens at the deadline where just, you know, something yeah. out of nowhere can kind of come. If you can make something like that happen, okay. But on an overall, to me, you're looking at it like this. You got your, you got your top four teams in the Central, Colorado, Minnesota, Nashville, and St. Louis, okay? Mm-hmm. Dallas is seven points out of St. Louis, St. Louis got 59, Dallas got 52. So I kind of take a little bit of a look down here and I scroll down over to the Pacific. I've got two teams that I know kind of weren't supposed to be there in Los Angeles yeah. and Anaheim. So, there, so there's an opportunity there. Yeah. Because of the discussion we've had about the Edmonton Oilers, look, I mean, we just don't know what's going to go on with those guys. But even if you say to yourself, okay, Edmonton goes on this nice little run, they end up getting themselves into the playoffs. The others two fall. So now you got Los Angeles and Anna. There is a backdoor way for Dallas to get in here. And it's probably through a crossover from the Pacific. So there is an, a very, very good chance if Dallas can continue to play the way they've been playing, 
which has been some solid hockey here of late. Yep. Great mix of some great mix of youth. Great mix of some great uh, some nice leadership. You still have yeah. Ben around. You've got Tyler yep. Sagan. They they've been there when they've had success. They know what it takes. Okay. You know they're sitting they're sitting there treading at one thirty seven for goals for and against. So they're even Steven there. Mm-hmm. You'd like to see a little bit better on the plus side, but it yep. is what it is. I gotta think. With everything that I just mentioned there, you probably stand pat. You don't want to be giving up any kind of assets moving forward just for a little push here. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, okay, you make the playoffs. Yeah. Look at look at the teams you got to face. Yeah. So how much do you want to give up? I don't want to be giving up second and, and, and rounders or even a third rounder. You know what I mean? I know that, that the percentages of these guys becoming NHL players becomes lower. But still, these are assets that you just don't want to give away, especially mm-hmm. with where they are. But I do think that they can make a run here to get into the playoffs. I just I I I don't know if it'll if it will happen through the central. I think they're gonna have to get in there through that crossover with the Pacific. It's that that would make the most sense in terms of how do you see a path to the playoffs and, and I agree with you there. I also agree that I don't think I'm trying to find their assets, their biggest assets to get something in return that helps them right away. Now there's there's been some rumors, obviously, with Holpe. Um, and so <laughs> on the onset, I, I would I would look at that. Maybe Sorry, on the onset. Maybe two weeks ago, I would look at that and I would have said, no, you're going to need Holpe down the stretch. You're going to probably even need him in the, in the playoffs. So you hold on to him. But now I'm thinking, you know what? I think if, if, if you can get something out of Holpe now, you do it now. And uh, and you run with Odinger, and you know, hopefully Hubo didn't figure something out with his game, and he becomes the guy who who he has been for Dallas uh, in years past, because uh, he's he's helped them out in the playoffs before. So I think you're fine with rolling with Odinger and, and Huboden in in nets, and you can get something decent out of Holt because he's having a good year, two seventy six nine thirteen, and he's sitting at nine and nine. So. Get what you can out of him. Try to find a, a, um, a player that can plug a hole for you. I think that hole would be a little bit more offense. Um, so I, I think you can go out and you can do something like that. And then it keeps you um, very, very competitive the rest of the way for this year. Doesn't disrupt anything for next year because this team becomes a little bit better next year with whatever experience they get. Either they make it or they don't. They're going to get experience because it's either hardship because you didn't make it to the playoffs or it's you made it to the playoffs, but you didn't win the cup. So you get experience there. So either way you look at it, it's experience for their, their younger core, right? So they're in a great spot. I think they're no matter what they do, they'll be fine. But I think to give yourself that that extra push this year, I think you you consider doing the hoop, the um, the Holby trade. With I, with I don't know what's coming. Like I don't know necessarily who's been calling, but I do believe some teams have been calling. I do believe there's some offers there, and I do believe you 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 ultimately you take it. And, and I got to say I agree with you in regards to that goaltending situation. I mean, for me, either one of them. I mean, really, if it comes down to Holpe or Kudobin, whatever one you kind of want to move. Um, I mean, I I don't know how Kudobin feels about the organization. Is he still yeah. fine with the organization? Did he, would he still want to come back in? Either way, whatever the course is internally, uh, I, I do think that if you're going to make a move like that, yes, you you can make a a move where you've got a little bit extra or you've got um uh you know you're, it's where their strength 
this, right? They got three goaltenders really that can that can get the job done here. So yeah. uh, you move one of them out, and that's the type of move that I would be making, Marty. I mean, if you can get yeah. somebody that can give you a little shot in the arm, maybe on a third line or something like that, go ahead. Uh, but I certainly don't want to be doing making any kind of trade where you're moving a first or second rounder or anything like that, right? Mm-hmm. Moving forward for that team, because I mean, yes, look, you got Pavelski's playing out of his mind. But I mean, the guy is what, 36, 37 years 37, old. So yeah. there's there, there's going to be an end to that road. Now, yeah. I mean, you still have Rupe, Rupe Hints and uh, Jason Robertson up there on the first line. So, yeah. you know, you've got you, you've got some pieces that you can definitely move forward with. But I certainly don't want to be mortgaging too much of my future here in regards to just trying to get into the playoffs and then potentially, depending on who you're playing, getting dummied by like a Minnesota or a Colorado, right? Yeah. And then you're kind of at a loss for that first or second rounder. So again, a deal like you're mentioning is, is certainly something that I would, uh, I'd be comfortable with uh, in regards to where the Dallas Stars are at at the particular moment. Yep. All right. Uh, well, I've said my piece about Dallas. I, th- I think I'm ready to move on. Are you? Is there anything? Hey, else? man, There's... let's move. Yeah, but you got it. Let, got... let's, let, let's get into St. Louis, buddy. Let's get right into it. So and that's the other thing too. In St. Louis, they're 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 another one with a goalie situation, right? Which is this one's mm. a little bit. This one's really precarious, though. I oh, first year of the six year deal for Bennington, he decides to shit the bed on this one. Like that's a tough one for the management to swallow. That's a tough thing for them to to take on. Thankfully, they're still competitive. Uh, very competitive. There's no reason to suggest that they're not going to be able to uh, be a, uh, a team that you don't want to face in the playoffs. They're making them the playoffs. There's there's no question about that. They'll be fine there. And they could do more in the playoffs uh, than what they're showing right now. Um, there's l- no reason to... To, to to sell the farm or, or to or to even just to even be concerned in, in that regard. They're going to be fine. But it is a situation that needs solidifying before you head into the playoffs. You need that consistency. You need to be, okay, this is what we're doing. And I don't know of a of a team that's ever gone into the playoffs with a goalie situation with a huge question mark that have gone all the way. I, I don't remember the last time a team has, has done something like that. So that being said... I give Bennington, he's got one more shot because they did exactly what I predicted. After the all-star break, they, they went straight to Bennington and he shit the bed again, seven goals. So now he's, and then now I think Huso's already slated to start the next couple of games. So the suggestion there is Huso has now officially taken over 70% of the workload or it's still buying Bennington just a little bit more time. But I would say this, if that's what they're doing, this is the last shot for Bennington for this year. Not saying he's out. I'm saying he's out for this year. Next year, they go back to him because it's, again, it's a six-year contract that nobody's going to want. So you're stuck with him as St. Louis. So you're going to figure it out with him. So next year, he's still your number one. Huso is, I believe, an unrestricted free agent next year. So they have the liberty of, you know what? We're probably going to lose Huso anyways because um, you're not going to... Huso at this point, the way he's played, he's demanded uh, a starting role. That, I think that's safe to say. Uh, there's going to be too many teams out there that's going to give them starter money that St. Louis won't be doing that. They're not going to have two starters on one team, especially not with one of them at six years with the, the, the kind of money that Bennington's making. So, But they still need to make the playoffs. Like They still have to be there, right? Like That's still the push for this year. And if it wasn't for Huso, they wouldn't, this wouldn't even be a, a conversation right now. They'd be done. So what do you do? 
Yeah. You know what? I'm, it's it's quite the conundrum that the Blues are in, and it's and it's on many levels. I mean, the first is what you alluded to. You just signed a goaltender now for six years at six million, if I'm not mistaken. Thirty-six million here committed. You have a backup right now. I mean, look. I, let me just go over some of the numbers here, folks. In the last three starts, Bennington has not had a save percentage above eight fifty. <laughs> Or goals against average that have surpassed 5.08. So the guy, when when you say shitting the bed, he literally is. Now on the flip side, Huso has won seven of his last eight starts. And he's allowed one or fewer goals in six of those games. So here here's a telling tale for me. And we talked about it or skirted over it a little bit throughout uh, some of our programs. Quality starts percentage. Uh, Huso is basically got a quality start every time he's in net. Wow. So, I mean, look, here are the stats for this, this year. And, and Marty, going back to what you were saying, they're extremely telling. Huso's played 16 games this year. He's got 10 wins, three losses, two in overtime and two shutouts. Here are the numbers that are really going to jump off the page. He's got an 184 goals against average with a 941 save percentage. Oh, now wow. look, now look, now look, 16 games played isn't anywhere near like a 50-55. So in regards to the sample size, it isn't massive. But I mean, dude, this guy is making it real difficult for you to continue to go back to Bennington. And speaking of Bennington, 24 games played, 11 wins, 10 losses, one by overtime, a 335 goals against average, and a save percentage under 900. It's at 898. So... Jeez. I will agree with you 100% that, listen, Bennington is going to be the St. Louis Blues starting goaltender at the beginning of next year. That's not an issue. I mean, the contract alone speaks to that. But I think in regards to what is going on right now in the NHL and where that team is in the standings, um, I, I, I got to be honest with you. And I know you, you may be hurting Bennington's confidence with this, but I think you've got to start running with Huso here pretty. And, 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 and I will say, and I will agree with you, I do think that the team, even though I don't think I would do it, I do believe the team is going to give uh, Bennington another run here. And in my eyes, it's for nothing else other than there's a lot of racetrack left in the season, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So I, I that that's what I think could be his saving grace is there isn't like 15 or 20 games left in the season. That's right. So yes, I do think that Bennington is going to get another run of play here. But mm-hmm. man, oh man. I mean, if this guy does not get it together within his next couple of starts, I I would I would easily say the next 2 to 3 starts. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think you're done, bud. And I think you're going to yeah. be playing second fiddle at six million dollars a year to the backup because yeah. the, it's just it, it's this kid has now made it to the point where you are going to start looking silly if you don't start That's playing right. him. Yeah, I mean and it'll don't cost you the playoff and, potentially because that that's yeah. there's still a tight race there. Like because if, yeah. if so, there's about thirty six games left for them. Um, if they 
mess with this for too long and, and allow Bennington to get them more L's instead of W's for too long. Yeah. Dallas, Anaheim, Los Angeles, and even Edmonton and possibly even San Jose are not going to let you forget it. And you could you could be putting yourself in a situation where you're just going to lose the season because you're trying to help one player. Um, you you got to think of the team, yeah, and you got to think of the fans and the whole bit. And really, it's a it's Stanley Cup or bust, right? It, that's what you that's that's what everybody wants. And St. Louis is right there. Um, but if you if you play Bennington too much, you're going to play yourself out of that, and uh, and that's going to be that the, there's no positive out of that. I mean, could you imagine if St. Louis didn't make the playoffs this year because they kept trying to Die. go back to Bennington? Like. Ugh. See, and, and that's just it. Like, I mean, we're talking about, we were just talking about Dallas, right? St. Louis, even though these are two teams that are right against each other in the standings, mm-hmm. kind of two teams that are in a little bit of a different place, right? Yeah. Like, uh, Dallas, yo, okay, we make it to the playoffs. Yay, great. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? It's, it, was, it maybe wasn't something that was 100% expected. But right. let's move it over to St. Louis and let's call it what it is. This is a team that's in win-now mode. Yeah. Uh, you know, here they are signing uh, Craig Berube to another three years. They're not, mm-hmm. you know, Berube's not sticking around because he's in a rebuild here. He's sticking that's around right. because he's got a team that's going to be contending. And I, I think you're 100% right in putting it that way, Marty. Y- you cannot... If you are going to give Bennington a run here, you're going to have to, this guy has, has to get it done in my opinion, in the next two to three games, because you know, that that's a week's worth in, in our fantasy, right? I mean, mm-hmm. a, a two or three game week is, is, is mm-hmm. a, is a long time in our fantasy and that they just don't have the time to be giving this guy like two weeks to find his game or any of this kind of business. You've got a backup right now. Yes. In limited game. Like, I mean, but that's you all know, the more it, reason why you have to play Huso. You need to get him yeah. more games so that you you are sure of what you're heading into the playoffs with because ultimately you would give it up to him, right? Like he'd be the guy going into the playoffs that you would run with. He needs more games. He had a bit of an injury at the beginning of the season. That's why his numbers are a little bit lower, even for a backup. But if the next round uh, of games for Bennington don't go the way they go or the way they're, they're hoping for, then you... Now you're in a 20-game realm. You need to get those 20 games to Huso. You need to give those to him so he gets that comfort zone and he's like, uh, even his confidence, like even higher. Like right now, I'm sure his confidence is pretty high. But imagine like if he ends the season with like, uh, let's say 25 wins, like his confidence will be through the roof. He'll come in with the playoffs with so much swagger. And then you've got the rest of that team doing what they're doing. You'd be extremely difficult to beat. So that's kind of where you need to go as a coach where you, you know, I don't know. Personally, I, I would honestly, I would be done with Bennington. Bennington would be like, listen, dude, you're going to figure it out, but it's going to be next season. You're going to, you're going to play second fiddle. Now it's going to be 70, 30, Huso the rest of the way he's going to carry us. But if, you know, if the shoe drops on him, we've got time to flip it back to you and hopefully you can figure it out. You know, you've got some time to play with that, but I would be like, Huso is now the guy and, and just be okay with that and know that next season you are the guy, but for now we're getting to the cup and we're going, we're getting there with him. And it's obvious. I mean, even he would probably say it. So. You know what, Marty, let's look at this in another little way. Now I will preface this by saying I'm going to end up fudging the numbers a little bit here, but 
if if uh, you go back into uh, uh, some of our earlier programs, one of my beauties was Charlie Lindgren, and that's when both Huso and Binnington were out of the lineup. Okay, oh. if I'm not mistaken, the guy went on like a five and O run uh, with one loss in OT or something like that. Now again, keeping in mind, folks, I'm fudging the numbers a little bit, but let's just say, for the sake of argument's sake, that Huso took those games. Okay, yeah. and let's just let let's just say that he, he the way he's playing. He probably would have had it pretty close to the same record, either a four and one or five and zero. Oh. Let's just go and say it's five and zero. Oh. So let's add these totals to what's going on right now. So now another five games to Huso's games played for the year. He's at twenty one to Binnington's twenty four. So now you're getting into basically a fifty fifty split. Add another five wins to the ten wins he currently has now. Now you're looking at a fifteen and three record. We now the goals against average save percentage. Let's go ahead and say they aren't wouldn't be as good. Okay. Yeah. But I think that he's at a total right now where the way he's been playing, okay, let's say he gets it to a two GAA and maybe, okay, 930 save percentage. Dude, those, number, the, those <laughs> numbers are at 920. Sure. I'll, yeah. I'll go 920. Those numbers are still killing, yep. killing Bennington, yep. blowing him out of the water. So, I mean, I agree with you 100%. You know, regardless of Bennington's feelings here and, and the contract that he's been given, I think you're getting really to a point here, and, and I, I know I've been saying this, you know, throughout our program today, but it is another tipping point, I think, that we're at here in regards to this. And I do think that uh, to give yourself the best chance and, and, and to show that team uh, that, you know, that you're not just continuously going to the well uh, of the guy yeah. who's making the most money here. You yeah. go to the guy who's going to win these guys' games yeah. uh, and who they're most confident in. And I- I'm sorry, but, uh, you know, the stats speak for themselves. This team is more comfortable with Ville Husso in front of that net right yeah. now than Binnington. And, you know, everybody just has to accept that, in particular Binnington, and they got to run with it, I think. And I, I really do believe that uh, on an overall, this is what's going to happen here in the second half of the season. Again, unless Bennington pulls a rabbit out of his ass and has two shutouts in the next three games <laughs> and, you know, lets in one goal in that third game or whatever, yeah. you know what I mean? He's gonna, he, he is going to have to make his mark and, and let management know, I am the guy, which he just has not done. He no. just simply has not done this year. And it hasn't matter what team he's played against. He's lost against some of the worst teams and he's lost against some of the best teams. It, it, and all that just spells out that he, this season... Uh, and it happens to the best of them, um, but this season is 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 one of his is his one to forget. So it's okay. Put it behind you. It's the first of six. Um, so next year, you know, you're still the guy. Because again, they're not going to turn around and, and re-sign Huso to a, a major deal. Huso's going to a team that's going to put him as a starter. <clears throat> I'm in yeah. So hopefully, um, hopefully that gets sorted out uh, for Huso because he's earned it at this point. Like he's this year has shown that he can he's like what Jake Odinger was to Dallas last year, um, except, you know, Odinger is now able to take over that team completely. And it's now his. Whereas uh, with Huso, he won't be able to do that in St. Louis. So, and it's, so it's fine. He'll go to a better team hopefully he'll go to a better team, not like an Arizona or something, and and end up uh, wasting away his talents. He needs to go to a, a quality team because I think, gosh, man, it'd be great to see him uh, not just in Edmonton. It'd be something else to see him in uh, like a, maybe like a Washington or someplace where he could win uh, consistently because I think that's what he's built for right now. I think he's ready to take a team all the way. He just, he looks like that kind of a player. Now, I again, small sample size, and I, I might be, uh, you know, inflating his tires a little too much there, but 
there's something about him that I just I feel is trustworthy, and I think St. Louis is going to lean on that the rest of the way if they're smart about it. Um, and we're uh, we're going to see something special with Huso. Well, in regards to Huso, I mean, if I'm the Seattle Kraken, I'm probably kicking myself in the yeah. ass a little bit because I seriously doubt that he was uh, protected. I mean, as a matter of fact, I'm pretty sure he wasn't there because I believe yeah. you can only I believe you can only protect one goaltender, and we obviously know who that was. So, yeah, exactly. I mean, look, uh, he's going to end up. He, I'm I'm pretty sure this guy's going to end up, you know, running his own team at some point, whenever that is. Um, but I, I I mean. I think one thing that we do know is you and I have definitely spoken in regards to this issue in St. Louis. If you have any kind of any kind of gusto here, I think you got to kind of play the young kid and you got to run with him a little bit here because uh, you know it, things are too tight in, in in the NHL and the parity's too close that mm -hmm. if you don't kind of go running with the out hot of hand here. You, well, you, uh, you just you may run yourself out of the position that you're in right now. Is mm -hmm. is is what it comes down to. I mean, they're in a good spot. Uh, you know, it's a tough decision, but I think it's a decision you got to make to yeah. to continue uh, to continue with the team success. I mean, yeah. yes, Bennington is you know maybe taking a little bit of hit on the shoulder there, but at the same time, I mean, he's got to understand six million or not, man, you're not doing, you're not getting the job done. And the yeah. guy who's making whatever, whatever he's making, probably under 2 million, mm -hmm. uh, is getting the job done for you. So the, the team, the team's got to go with the hot hand in, in particular where they are at in the standings. Well, that's the thing in the standings, they're two points out of third, right? So, or, uh, sorry, one point out of fourth, uh, they can put themselves in a position where they're playing a weaker team versus b uh, playing against a much stronger team. So if you're playing against a much stronger team with a, a goalie situation that is all murky as it is, forget it. But if you're playing against a weaker team where you've solidified your goaltender, St. Louis, you're as dangerous as they get. So that's the position you should be trying to put yourself in as soon as possible. Because again, it's not that, yes, there's 36 games, so that's a lot, but you, you got to understand you've got to build that confidence you got to build that structure and you got to build a system before you get into the playoffs that right now isn't necessarily there right now you're riding the hot hand can't really ride the hot hand in the playoffs. I, mean, I suppose you can and I, I guess teams have done that in the past but what i'm getting at is wouldn't it be better if you rode into the playoffs with the goalie who's got you know almost 30 if not more games under his belt confidence up the wazoo uh, a team around him that knows what to expect with him and there's no second guessing any of it rather than going into it and thinking okay well you know Bennington figured it out towards the end of the season I guess we'll go with him then yeah. nah that, there's no confidence <clears throat> in that because he the shoe can drop at any given moment with something like that whereas the other one not so much there's more confidence so anyways fix it St. Louis you're my last prediction <laughs> St. Louis Play who so do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So there was a bit of a busy week for the Habs and and the Oilers, yes. we'll say. So we're Absolutely. in the Oilers Habs. Um, congratulations. Um, I think it's a good move. What do you think? Well, we're talking about uh, Martin St. Louis here, I would imagine. Yes. Uh, I look, I mean, for me, I, I think it's a great move. I, I think it's a win-win no matter which way you look at this. I mean... Yes, he comes in there with no experience. The uh, the only experience he has is coaching Peewees. And I thought his comment in regards to that during his press conference was absolutely incredible. Yeah. Hey, listen, these guys had fun when they were playing Peewee, so I guess I'm the best guy for them right now, right? <laughs> like, and, and, and that kind of goes goes to some of what I'm going to mention here, Marty. This guy comes in here with all the confidence in the world, yep. all the swag and all the swag in the world. And, and guess what? 
if this blows up and, 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 and when I say that, if it blows up, how much more can the goddamn thing blow up as it is now? Okay, so it doesn't work out for the for remaining, what, 35 games. Okay, yeah. great. Off-season comes around, you go with another coach. Now, what I do think is interesting by bringing in St. Louis is, look, these guys are utterly in shambles right now. This They've gone from going to a Stanley Cup final, whether they went on a ma- magical run or not, that's where they were. Mm-hmm. Now, they're at the complete opposite end of the spectrum. Fight, basically staring at the first overall pick, uh, depending how the lottery goes. You need a guy to come in there, give these guys a little bit of confidence. He knows exactly where these players are at. He maybe didn't go through any kind of losing streak like these guys are going through. But don't mean to tell me that this that Martin Sillery doesn't know what losing is like. Mm-hmm. Maybe not to this level, but he knows what these guys are going through. Mm-hmm. So he's going to bring in a nice little infusion of just some fresh ideas. And that's another thing I like too. I mean, look, I don't, I'm not an X's, X's and O's guys about hockey, but he walked in there and said, listen, I know how coaching has been done before. I have a bit of a different perspective on that, and I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to infuse some of that into my teachings with these guys. I mean, look, at the end of the day, these guys, I did it again. <laughs> these guys are obviously just looking for a breath of fresh air. This guy's going to come in and give it to them. Uh, are are there ties to Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon? Obviously. But, I mean, you're bringing in a Hall of Famer. You're not yeah. bringing in some friggin' scrub off the street. Okay, he doesn't have any experience in coaching. Do you really need an experienced coach where that team is right now? Uh, no. So, yeah, what are you trying to do? Win the last 30 so, games of the season so you so can be exa- in 10th spot? Like, it doesn't, who dude, cares? Dude. Dude, do you want to have any kind of a coach come in there and win you games right now? Not I really. Mean, don't, they're never they're never going to say that publicly, but no. internally they yeah. want to internally they want to lose every game that they can. Yeah. Come so on, so experiment. I mean, that's this is exactly, exactly. What it is. It's an experiment, and it's exactly the right time for it. And like, you know what, Marty? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, no, sorry, I, I just didn't want to forget my thought in regards to this either. Yeah. You are not sticking your hand into that goaltending, uh, goaltending coaching recycling bin. You're yeah. bring, listen, th- this is the time to go right yeah. off the board, man, sure. right off the board. Absolutely. And if this works, if this yeah. works, perfect, perfect, man. Like, I, I don't know where this is going. I, I really don't. Like, I mean, it shocked me whenever it first came out as well. Yeah. yeah. But, 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 but what's the worst that can happen? You're bringing in a guy again, like I say, is a hall of famer. This isn't just some jabroni coming off the streets <laughs> here. He's, he's been around. He's won heart trophies. He's won Stanley Cups. I mean, you know, he's been betted against and on, and he's always produced. So he is he is a good guy to bring in and do something with, right? At the very at the very least, he's commanding respect. That's all I'm gonna say. Yeah. And so you asked the question, what's the worst that could happen? Honestly, you want to know what the worst thing that could happen? And 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 hear me out from beginning to end here. He comes in and he wins a whole bunch of games for you and you lose the first round pick. Now, that the worst that is the worst that can happen, but guess what? That also means you've got a coach who has done something pretty friggin' special with a team of not so special players that another coach with more experience couldn't do anything with. And this is not, not a shot against Desharm either. Quite frankly, no, he was no. in the worst popular possible situation. Yeah. I don't think Agreed. he had any chance of succeeding anyways. And it's unfair that it got on him. But aren't the Canadians now paying two coaches to not coach? 
I think they're paying three because I think they're still three. paying Julian too. <laughs> <laughs> I know, man. Like we're just giving it out, bud. We're just so, handing out the cash. So you know, at the end of the day, uh, so all you can do is just look at this and go, you know what? Who cares? It, 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 this should be fun because again, the worst thing that can happen is that we lose the first round pick, but we gained a first uh, tier quality coach who can just turn you know shit into wine. Like this is that would be pretty amazing. So it's definitely not going to happen. He's not going to win you the the next thirty games of the season, and you're not going to lose the first round pick. Philly made sure that you know if anyone was going to try, it was going to be them, and they they weren't able to do it either. So if they can't do it, no one's taking it away from Montreal. So don't worry about that. But I do like the idea that he came in and he's the one of the first things he did is that he established some sort of, and I know this kind of goes against a little bit what he said, but he did establish a structure. Um, I know his press conference talked about how you know, I don't like the idea of structure because I want to have the players feel the, the freedom to doing whatever they want without being held down. But believe it or not, Martin Saint-Louis, that is a structure. It's a, certainly more so than what they had before, which is exactly what they need. They need something to play in, to find success with, and to grow with. And that's exactly what he's offering them. So this is perfect. It's a new voice. Um, it's a new direction call it whatever you want it's fresh and so you got the fresh new management you got a fresh new feeling on the bench how many jokes do you think are out there right now about him not being able to see over the <laughs> he needs another yeah, stool yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry martin <laughs> but anyways all that to say he's he is honestly is the perfect fit for this team for the timing of it as well at first i was kind of like well what is the point of the timing of this like poor guy ducharme like he just like how how many times can you pour salt on the wound or whatever? But really, if you think about it, this actually makes the most sense for the timing. So you know, Ducharme, so what? Feel good that you're getting paid to do nothing. Sometimes that's okay. <laughs> um, so Saint Louis is going to take them to a different realm, which hopefully stretches into next year too. Because honestly, I'd like to see what he can do with a full season. You have to imagine there's going to be tons of other moves uh, from the player side of things. So Martin Saint Louis is going to have an opportunity to do something very special there and. And do you, is there a lot of truth to the rumor of Le Cavalier coming on as well? Well, it's, it certainly sounds like that. And again, this is, this is uh, something that, you know, goes back to the connections with Gorton and in particular mm -hmm. uh, Hughes, because I believe Hughes was his agent for uh, a number of years. Um, I have to double check that just to make sure, but there, there's a lot of connections in regards to that. Um, and yes, I've heard the same rumors. I don't believe anything is official yet, but mm -hmm. I mean, you know, when you start throwing Marty St. Louis into that, you know, as well, and where the guy is, you know, was born yeah. and from and who he cheered for as a, so you can kind of see all the links kind of getting in there and, 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 you know, making all the, the, the crossing the T's and dotting the I's if you, if you will. But the, the thing that I will say as a Habs fan that I've been most encouraged by in regards to the three managerial hires uh, yeah. over the course of the past few months and the, and the, the, the one constant that I have seen with all three, you're walking into that market with everything that's going on. Gorton walks in there, doesn't look phased, kind of comes in there, you know, basically his first words are French, so he kind of loosens everything up. Anyway, he went in, he walked in there with confidence. Same thing with Kent Hughes, uh, you know, some bright lights maybe a little bit at first with him during his presser, but he certainly, uh, you know, uh, adapted himself very well during his press conference, showed a lot of confidence, you know, some stability, uh, didn't look like he was kind of all over the place. And then going to Martin St. Louis here this week, again with his presser, kind of comes in, 
had a very, very confident and kind of a, a swaggerish attitude, if you will, uh, during that presser. And as a fan of that team, and with what's gone on over the course of the first few months of the season, and now with these hires over the past few months, I, I, I am pretty happy with the way these folks have come in. I mean, you're coming into Montreal. You are coming into the hockey hotbed of hockey. I mean, yeah. yes, you can say what you want to about Toronto, your Boston's, your Detroit, uh, the, all, all, all your original sixes, I get it. But, I mean, when you walk into this market, it's mm. a it's a fucking religion, man. So yeah. you, they, they know what they're walking into. It's the bright lights. It's it's you guys. There is no competing professional sports team other than the Montreal Canadiens in that market. And mm. I got to say, again, as a fan, and I know I'm repeating myself here, I am very, very comfortable with the three people who have come in. Uh, and, and again, I don't know what's, what is going to happen here in a few months with Marty St. Louis. Is he kept? Is he not kept? Is he even a good coach? Does he yeah. go back to coach these peewees? I have no idea. But I will say, when they walked into that first presser, and you know they're yeah. going to get hit with the hard questions, man. Like, this guy walks in there and... He's got all the swag in the world, and I, exactly. I, these it's all that these players can be asking for right now with how yeah. the season has gone. Yeah. Oh, yeah, especially with the, how the season's gone. Like, prior to Gordon, I'd say prior to Gordon coming in, because it really started with him, um, I'd say the team, the, I, I would have hated Everything to have been... Everything was in disarray. Yeah. Everything was in disarray. I would have hated to have been anywhere in that club, not just the clubhouse, but anywhere, locker room, <laughs> bathroom stalls, uh, in the stands. It didn't matter. Before Gordon stepped foot in there, I would have hated to be anywhere because you can just imagine what it felt like to be around that team. Um, just complete disarray, like you said, just really feeling down and depressed about everything. Now, you know, honestly, right now, I, if I was any player on that team, I'd be like, you know what? All right, let's have some fun. Let's build some chemistry. Let's let's yeah. uh, let's find. I mean, obviously, your your Petries and your Hoffman and your some of these other guys. You you guys know you're on your way out. Like you guys aren't there for the long haul. You guys aren't the ones that's gonna be there in five years from now. Your Suzuki, not even probably not even Gallagher, uh, but your younger cores you guys can start looking at each other and going, all right, we're going to be here for a while. Let's just, let's forget about what's happened. Let's go back to having some fun and, uh, and remembering what hockey was all about. And, and uh, let's experiment. This is the time to do that. And let's just figure some stuff out together and, and, and go through it together. And at least now you can do it while laughing and, and maybe enjoying yourselves and like, okay, we got beat four to one. Okay, whatever. But you know, Caulfield scored uh, back to back nights. He hadn't done that all season. So yeah. there's some positives to be taken out of all this, right? And so maybe that's because they're starting to have some fun. And, and that's huge. I mean, at this point, right, it comes down to small victories, like you're saying, yep. Cole Caulfield scoring in back-to-back -back games. Now, listen, if you watch any of the Habs games, and trust me, I've been watching these guys all year long, there are still big, look, mm -hmm. long periods of time where they look a little bit disorganized. But what I will right. say, what I will say is the eye test is definitely uh, a little bit better since Marty St. Louis took over. And, and again, is that a coaching bump? Is that whatever it is, it is. They have been playing a little better. Or at yeah. the very least, at the very least for me, there's been more of an effort, Marty. I, the results are definitely not coming out in that. I mean, just yeah. with the way the team is built right now and yeah. with the way the goaltending situation is, I mean, it's just, it's absolutely horrendous. But you, right now you're taking those small victories and, yep. you know, That's everything it. from, everything from how confident one is in, in regards to the man 
management team coming in to, like you're saying, a Cole Caulfield. You know, you kind of want to build, continue to build things here with a Nick Suzuki. I saw uh, St. Louis talking with Drew Wayne the other day. He was leaning over the bench. So, listen, if you can give these guys a little bit of a kick in the pants here over the next little bit, yeah, I mean, I think that's I think I think that's all really that management's looking for. So, ah, uh, yeah. So, um, we're gonna you want to move on to the oils because um, hey, buddy, we got a lot to get into with these Oilers, man. Ah, oh, fuck's sakes! Listen, I don't know what to do. <laughs> I don't know how to do, I don't know how to approach this anymore. Um, okay. Well, here, so, let, let let me. Oh, go ahead. Go yeah, ahead. Go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. It's probably better that you go. Well, I collect. My I, I mean, l- listen. Listen, for me, this comes down to, uh, plain and simple, it's a desperate team that's been chasing it for the better part of three months. I think we can kind of agree on that. Like, there's definitely been some desperation shown here in regards to this team, whether it's a a Kane signing, uh, you know, them trying to get Stuart Skinner in here to now this week with, um, uh, with the firing of Tippett. I won't get into too much of that. I want to leave a lot of meat on the bone for you. But from my perspective, uh, you know, uh, for me, Ken Holland has used the last bullet in his chamber in regards Mm -hmm. to the tippet firing, Um, you know, bringing in uh, Jay Woodcroft, which I'll let you get into in a little bit here. You know, hopefully they can get the coaching bump over the next little while here. I, I just, Marty, I think for me, what it comes down to is I fear that this team is a fragile is is a fragile roster, and I, I I do think that potentially it might be their ultimate downfall because, regardless of what whether how this team is constructed and 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 how the season has been going and and, and whatnot, the the underlying current with this uh, organization and in particular with its fans, if you have Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl on your hockey team, um, we want to see some damage in the playoffs. End end of sentence. Yeah. Done. Like, uh, I, I don't know how to put it kind of plainly than that. I, I want you to kind of go over the, a little bit more of the meat and bones with us here. But to me, a desperate team has been looking forward here for the past three months. And you're starting to run out of bullets here. And in my particular viewpoint, I, I, I got to think, I, I mean, I... You know, maybe I'm off base here with thinking that Holland could be out of a job here over the next year or two. But oh no, you're you not just, I, I, I mean, I, I just, I just think that you're running out of things that you know, <laughs> you, you are, you literally are running out of bullets in that chamber. So I'll kind of let you. Oh, take there's it from one there, left, buddy, and, and it's for himself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And <laughs> um, you know, whether or not he's the one holding the gun is a, is a whole other story. But the, the the problem is, is actually there should be quite a few left um, because. Across the board, there's some management changes, not just with Holland, but there's some upper management decisions that need to be made as well uh, that, that sort of need some changing. But um, so one of the I'm going to say this, like, first of all, I'm starting to take this stuff personally uh, because Dave Tippett getting fired. Uh, you know, I talked I started talking about this in December, I want to say, if not November. Um, and it's it, that was the right time then. And I know. I know had they had it happened then, a lot of people would have said like, "Oh, this is a knee-jerk reaction." You know, Tippett deserves better and this and that, whatever. But um, you know, Edmonton has been the beneficiary of losing seasons before. You could you could see it. You could see it coming. Not that not his firing coming, but you could see the disappointment starting to show itself. So it, like the the 
the fragileness of this team was starting to show and it was starting to become a bigger thing. Now, if you start looking deep into Tippett like I did, you'd start to see that this is just what happens with Tippett's teams. Um, he's never been that great. Uh, he's never done much of anything. Um, it seems as though he's able to sort of ride whatever he's got on the roster to levels of success that you could it would be a safe bet to say, well, it was going to be there without him anyways. So th- he's not a difference maker kind of coach. He's a coach that rides with whatever he's got, and he isn't able to adapt and, and make changes. So that's my sort of personal spiel on Tippett. Um, but I'm going to leave it at that because this is really more about management screwing things up. Because what I do find is unfair to Tippett is that, okay, as a management, you decide, first of all, you go out and make a presser, and you're like, oh, we're not doing anything. We're not going to trade anyone. We're not going to give away assets. And the answer is in that locker room. Okay. Well, so the first thing you do, the answer is in that locker room is you go out and get somebody to join that locker room. So that right there is bullshit, obviously. So forget all that. Um, But what do you do? You don't go and plug a hole that is leaking from the bottom. Uh, You go and you plug a hole that isn't even leaking yet, which is offense. You, You have no issues with offense. You've got tons of offense on this team. It's not an issue. But there was the opportunity that, you know, with Kane in that lineup, it deepens things out a little bit because one of the holes, uh, maybe half covered by water, was the fact that it was the team as though it was constructed wasn't offensively as deep as you had hoped. It looks good on paper, just not turning out, though. Okay, fine. So now you've got the opportunity because you got Kane. So what do you do? You give Tippett three games with Kane. That's it. That's your plan. You go out and you plug a hole that doesn't need to be plugged and you give the coach three games to figure it out. He wins the first one, but then he loses the next two and then he's gone. Really? This is the tipping point. That doesn't, that, that's, as much as I wanted Tippett fired, this isn't how. They're so all over the place with their direction from a management perspective. Nope, we're going to find it in that locker room. Nope, we're going to go out and get someone to join the locker room. Nope, okay, so now he is the answer. All right, tip it, let's go. Uh, three games, not abandoning. You keep jumping off ship from your own new plan, which doesn't make sense to begin with, but you're not even giving it any time to be successful. So you're, you're not even, you don't even have confidence in yourself as a management team to see a plan through. So, of course, this team as a whole doesn't have any confidence in itself. You're not giving it any reason to, you're not giving enough time to have confidence and you're not giving it any reason to feel confident because there's no confidence up top. So now it's trickled all the way down and that's what happens. Get rid of the management and you're going to see this team as a whole actually do better. I do believe that Woodcroft could actually do something with this team, it's, but regardless of what happens this year, it's not on him. Like if they make it to the playoffs, that will be on him. But any amount of of um, of losing is not on him. So Woodcroft can only benefit from the situation. So good for him. Absolutely, this is this is a great opportunity for him, and he of course he takes it, and it all makes sense, and it's great. Hopefully he's still there next year at the beginning of the season because I do want to see what he can do with this team because this is the kind of coach that you do need with this kind of team. This coach has been around these other players a lot and he's pretty good with younger teams or younger players. So this is actually the kind of guy you should have brought in to begin with. Not a Dave Tippett. I don't even... Anyways, I'm done with Tippett. So (laughs) moving on. So Woodcroft is going to do something with this team, good or bad, it doesn't matter. I hope he's there for the whole season because I do think he deserves that much at least. But it's, it's, this is all about man, mismanagement 
and how they don't even have faith in their own plans when they put it out there. They don't know what they're doing. They're so all over the place. They continue to second guess themselves. It's no wonder Edmonton is in the situation that they're in because it's coming from up top. Well, I mean, and, and I go back to the whole kind of, you know, they've been chasing it here for the past three months and that, you know, that kind of aligns with the, the whole three games that Tippett got in, in regards to uh, being able to make something happen here with Kane and whatnot. It's, there's just that, I mean, I, I don't know how you feel as an Edmonton Oilers fan, Marty, but I mean, from, from my point of view on the outside, it just, it, you, you again, I, I go back to the same word. They, they just seem to be kind of continuously be chasing it. Like you're, you're not... You know, I, I understand chasing championships and so on and so forth in the whole nine yards, and there is a chase to a certain extent, but it's like they've been behind the eight ball here as as we continue along with the season. And, and make no mistake, they uh, put themselves behind that eight ball. Let's just be clear about oh, that. Oh, absolutely. And and, and look, you know, I, I hope for the best in, in regards to, uh, in particular, Jay Woodcroft. I hope mm-hmm. that this guy gets a little bit of a bump from the, the team itself, in particular from some of its younger players, where I do think that Woodcroft is going to come in and make a little bit of a difference is in decisions such as a Evan Bouchard taking over that first power play unit on a more yeah. consistent basis, where Tippett, for whatever reason was just reluctant to give him the reins of that first power play unit is that going to bring you to the playoffs i don't know but some of those smaller decisions like that i mean you know uh, uh there there's uh, Stuart skinner is another one is yeah. he going to get a little bit more play now because woodcroft is a little bit more familiar with him and you know skinner has played well in the minors coming to the big show that's a whole different game you're going to need to to have some sort of a defensive conscience uh as well but I mean, it, it's it's it. There's so much pressure right now, Marty, and I, I go back to that to that as well. What I was mentioning earlier, there's just so much pressure with that team. As long as you continue to have McDavid and Drysaddle yeah. on that team, there is going to be a level of expectation that I don't know that that team is built for at the present moment. And and you know, look, I mean. I think we all fell into it, right? This team just going on a complete tear at the beginning of the year, you know, outscoring everybody by three and four goals. You know, both McDavid and Dreisaitl having great years still are. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, you just, I don't think anybody foresaw it going to where it's yeah. gone. And, the, and, and, yeah. and, you know, you know being being in first place in the Pacific, okay, we that's we don't necessarily need that. But being outside of a playoff picture right now, it's just like again the chasing continues. And I hope for that squad. And we've said it on this program before. I want to see the Edmonton Oilers in the playoffs because I yeah. want to see McDavid. I want to see the best player in hockey. You know, mm-hmm. you can say whatever you want about him, defensive liability, whatever the case is, he is the consensus best player in the league right now. And if mm-hmm. that's uh, you know, because of his his offensive exploits, whatever, he's the whatever. best right now. Yeah. I want to see that in the playoffs. And exactly. right now, they're 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 looking up in regards to 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 making making that move and we'll see how this plays out over the next little while but I can only, you know, listen. Uh things have been a shit show in Montreal all year. I've seen that for basically all year here, but as a, as a, a fan of the Edmonton Oilers, I can only imagine how much of a roller coaster this has been for that fan base. I'm going to say this as a fan, um, no matter what happens from this day on or from Tippett being fired and on, um, the, the season is lost. 
the second they fired Tippett, I, and again, I understand how that might make me sound a little bit like a, a hypocrite because I've been pining for his his him being fired for months. But I actually had changed my tune because I had to swallow a pill, which which was all right. Listen, management sees something in Kane that I don't. Um, there's an argument to be made that <clears throat> it, it it deepens their lines so that. While they're not going to be able to stop the puck, they can maybe score a few more, and that will be the difference maker. They're going offense. Okay, fine. Okay, it's at least a direction. It's a plan, and it's at a time where you can you 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 can still do something about it. Okay, so I'll 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 jump on board with this plan because it is what it is. And then you go and fire Tippett shortly after the experiment starts. That's where you lost me. That's where to me the season is done now. Because of, of the the constant, uh, 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 go, go 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 stop stop go no no back up no stop no go yeah. no you've ruined the entire season now because of all this indecisiveness so c'est fini là j'en ai assez puis c'est c'est fourré ben red I'm done well, uh, now 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 listen I I I'm, I certainly don't want to sit here and completely say that the Edmonton Oilers are going. You know, the season is completely lost. I can understand where you're coming from as a fan. It, oh, it, they're, it's not, a really, they're not winning the cup. They're, they're no, no, lucky I, if they make it to the playoffs. So to me, it's a it's a season lost. Well, I, I guess with what I'm 30, saying here... With over 30 games remaining, remember yeah. that. That's, that's a shitty thing to say. Like, I mean, what I'm getting at here is, look, it, it is it, it has not been anywhere near the season that the Edmonton Oilers were looking for, and it's in particular with the, you know, the roster and the type of players that you have on that roster. Now, what we do know is that they have four games up on, uh, or in hand, sorry, against Anaheim, and they're four points behind. They have two games in hand on Los Angeles uh, and are four points behind. So if they were to win those games in hand, they're ahead of Anaheim and they basically have Los Angeles taken care of and they're sitting in third in the Pacific. So as much as we've kind of shit on the Oilers here and there's a lot that is going on, uh, go, sorry, going on and going wrong in Oilers land, this is still uh, with all of the stuff going on. This is still a team that can make the playoffs and can, yeah. and, and can make it fairly easily. Now, when I say it that way, they have to start playing better hockey because the way they've been, the way, the way the Edmonton Oilers have played so far this year leads you to believe that it could be 50, 50. They are going to need to tighten something up, obviously defense. I mean, but just their play as a whole, but at the I was about to say at the end of the day, I won't say it, but I will say that they can make the playoffs if they can turn things around here a little bit. It's not a four, they're not too far out, guys. That's what I'm getting at here. They're within yeah. striking distance, and it's a weak, it's a weaker Pacific Division, so they can still it's, make this. It's not out of the question, but. They do have to tighten up their play as a whole, both offensively and defensively. And Marty, they're just going to need to get some saves in the second half of the season. Period. It's a glasses. It's a glass that's half full approach, and I and I can appreciate that. But again, the season is lost because it's not. You, you're going to come out of whatever happens at the end of this season with a bunch of question marks exactly where okay. you were last year. 
So it's a season loss. Like, yes, you can you can limp into the playoffs and uh, and barring some sort of miracle, um, you're you're, you're going to get ousted like in the first or if you're lucky second round, and you're going to okay. have the exact same questions you had at the end of last year. So you've gained absolutely nothing. And again, lucky if you make it to the playoffs at this point. So if you do make it, everyone is aware that you were lucky to make it last year. Not good enough. Sorry, this year. Not good enough. Lucky too. So it's, it's a lost season. In fact, that you took a huge step back. You made it to the playoffs last year. You were supposed to be one of the top contenders this year. You've taken a giant step back. You've lost your coach. You lost the faith in your fan, or your fans have lost faith in you and its management. You have gained absolutely nothing this year. You, we're all looking to next year now. So okay. it, it's it's I, I, it's really it, again it's a glass is half full and I don't mind that approach because there's still plenty of hockey to be played with and there's always we said it the two two shows ago there's always hope but that's all you got left now is hope I do see what you mean though in regards to I mean yes you're not you're not saying they can't make the playoffs you as the fan have been looking for an upward trajectory with this team mm-hmm. and I get what you're saying now you are not seeing that in any way shape or form no matter what plays out this year going into next year it's like you guys have just leveled off this year so I I understand where you're coming from 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 an Edmonton fan's perspective as a whole your team is not taking the next step or is not in an upward trajectory in regards to the, to the team itself. So I, I get is where you're saying Is this how a there. Toronto Maple Leafs fan feels? <laughs> is this what it's like? Because I think I know what it's like now. Because it, well, like, it's, just, it's just constant lateral movements where there's just, there's, and but like, I mean, there was more hope this year than any, but that's all lost now at this point, right? Like, I know I just finished saying yeah. there's only hope left, but that is all we have left, but there's not much. Well, it's just that roller coaster, right? That you're going on. I mean, you're the. I, I think it comes down to expectations as well, right? And no. look, I mean, no matter no matter what names are on the roster, like whenever you look at this thing every October, whatever it is, if Drysdale and McDavid are on there, there's there's this almost like a given expectation, right? Regardless of what the ro- the other roster looks like, you just kind of sit there as a fan and say, okay, well, you got two of the greatest centermen in the game today. You got to be able to make something happen. And sometimes, I mean, we've seen it with the Leafs in regards to roster construction. They still haven't been able to bring home the big prize. Mm-hmm. And, they, and they decided, no, man, we're going to pay these big four up front and we're going to mm-hmm. see if we can make it happen. And, you know, to whatever to us maybe to a lesser degree you can kind of say that with Edmonton because I mean they're paying those two big horses some money there and I, I mean you're trying to build around it and that seems to be a little bit of the difficulty out in Edmonton as well but uh, you know when it comes to, to to those two franchises you know with some of these picks that you've gotten and some of the players that have come in uh, there's just been this level of expectation right I mean as soon as Matthews comes into play in Toronto a couple a number of years back don't tell me that the expectation here is okay. Like we're finally, you know, we're, we're on the March here to end the Stanley cup drought. Well, that's not a foregone conclusion. I mean, you know, the Leafs have a good team. They've got some defense. I mean, I, I, I have to argue that they're kind of in the same boat as Edmonton where they're a, you know, fairly yep. offensive team with, you know, maybe some decisions or, or some, some liabilities on defense, but you know, again, I think it comes down goalie. to, well, yeah, exactly. They, they they got two that they can kind of lean on here. But mm-hmm. I, I think it just does come down to the expectations again, Marty. And as long mm-hmm. as those two guys are on that team, I mean, 
The playoffs isn't even a, isn't even a question. Now, mind you, it is right now, but yeah. the way they're playing. But, I mean, from a fan a fan's point of view, uh, with those two guys on the roster, I mean, playoffs shouldn't be any kind of an issue no. on a yearly basis. And We it, shouldn't it be having is. this kind of a discussion no. this year. No. This is not the, the kind of discussion Edmonton fans were hoping to have. At this point now, we were supposed to be talking about, you know, do we, you know, sweep the first two rounds or do we just eke by yeah. like those different conversations for sure. All right. So let's let's move on to the last segment. Beauty's and the Beast. Um, and uh, I, I honestly there were, I felt that this week there wasn't that many uh, to, to choose from. I, I, I don't know. Maybe it was just me. I had a, a bit of a harder time finding some players. Also, because the two of the players that I wanted to pick, I, I went back and looked and oh, you got him. OK. Oh, shoot. OK, bud. Yeah. So my, my why don't you go one. first? No, it's all good. Okay. Of course not. No, you go first. All right, sounds good. So Beauty's and the Beast here, folks. Uh, I'm going to start things off this week with uh, Matt Zuccarello. Um, maybe a little bit biased in regards to uh, this particular player. I have him on my fantasy team. And I'll tell you what, I mean, for me personally, since I uh, snagged him at midseason, he has definitely been producing at the rate but probably a rate that I didn't even expect, but will yeah. certainly take. Uh, and I think anybody else will too. Now, listen, uh, the guy's playing with, uh, you know, um, Ryan Hartman, a guy I had on um, one of our beauties a few weeks ago. And of course, superstar Kaprizov. So he's in a good situation on that first line, obviously playing first line power play minutes as well. I mean, look, the guy, this is a 34 year old. He's played 37 games this year. He's got 43 points plus 21. So, you know, depending on, whatever kind of format you're looking at here. Uh, if you've got, uh, you know, uh, a league that counts plus minuses as well and, and, and power play points, uh, you're definitely getting some, uh, some value out of this guy. Um, I mean, I don't know what to say other than, I mean, it, whatever format you're playing in in fantasy hockey, he's definitely, he is a must-add right now, no matter what. I mean, he's a guy that's slipping into your 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 core group of, uh, of players and basically scoring you a point a game. So if uh, if for whatever silly reason he still ha- happens to be on your free agent uh, <laughs> list out there in whatever uh, format you're in, you may want to pick him up. Um, another guy that... Uh, the one thing I kind of really tried to focus on, Marty, with some of these guys is, you know, not your your kind of top uh, 20 or 30 guys per se, but just guys that kind of coming out of, you know, no, not nowhere, but you just didn't expect some of the production out of these guys. And another one of those is uh, Sam Reinhardt out in Florida. I'm, I was kind of shocked when I actually looked at the stats today, and this is a point of game player, period. 44 yeah. points in 44 games, uh, 16 goals, 28 assists. He's a 26-year-old too, so this is a guy that you can kind of build a, a core, a bit of your core team around here too. Uh, obviously, a stacked team down in Florida. He's currently on the third line um, with, I believe, Lundell and Marchment, who have been some pretty hot players yeah. of late. Um, but he, in all reality, I took a look on Dauber today, Marty, and he's really played up and down, up and down that lineup in Florida. So, uh, yeah. you know, just another reason to pick the guy up because. First line, second line, third line, it doesn't really matter to this guy, it seems. He just seems to be scoring wherever wherever he is. So uh, definitely another must-add, uh, especially with a guy that's scoring you a point a game. I mean, you know, you, you can speak about a secondary score only so much, but when these guys start to uh, produce at a point a game, you probably want them in your starting lineup. So, um, yeah. I mean, that, not much more I can say about Reinhardt. Stack team, doing well. So uh, <laughs> my third, my third beauty this week... Is a guy that maybe hasn't been talked about over the past little bit because he's been injured, um, but Drake Batherson. Um, 
for me, guys, uh, I'm super bullish on this player. We've talked about it before at length, uh, and we'll say it again. Uh, you you can't have any something rub off you whenever you're you're training with guys like Marshawn, Crosby, and McKinnon uh, in the summer out there out east. And I mean, this guy's definitely taken it to another level. And keeping in mind here, this is a, this wasn't a guy that was picked in the first or second round. This guy is a fourth round selection. 121st overall so I mean it's not like there was this amazing pedigree with this player here so he has definitely taken what has been available to him uh, as a player uh, with the Ottawa Senators and that organization and you know with some of the players that he's rubbing shoulders with here in in uh, in the summertime so look I, I mean the guy is ha having a great year he's got 34 points in the 31 games played he's had some injuries he's playing uh, big minutes here on the first power play when he does play uh he's almost at 19 minutes a game time on ice so you're getting a guy here that's you know a, a big part of the driving force of the offense in uh in ottawa uh unfortunately again is injured at the particular moment had that run in with um aaron dell i believe it was out in buffalo uh so anyway uh, long story short, if you guys, uh, if, if, if you're a rebuilding team and you're looking to add some sort of, uh, uh, future piece to your lineup, you probably want to take a look over at Drake Batherson because with that team and with what they're going to be here over the next little while, uh, yeah. I certainly think you, uh, you want to take a peek at that for sure. So, um, mm -hmm. that's about it for my beauties this week in regards to my, um, my, uh, beast, there's a little bit of an explanation with this one. <laughs> When I when I when I come out and tell you that Dougie Hamilton's my beast for the for this week, um, you know there may be some players that are uh, some managers that are like, well, I mean, I don't know if I'd agree with that per se, and they may they may have a point, but for me personally, uh, this is always a player that's kind of left me wanting more. Um, don't get me wrong, this guy has had some productive seasons, and in particular, uh, uh, the past couple of years here, I believe in 2019-2020, uh, in, uh, uh, he had a uh, points per game of 0.85, so I mean, that's that's kind of definitely where you want it for a defenseman, uh, definitely doing some damage for you. And in the year 2020 and 2021, uh, he had a 0.76 point per game average, which was much better than uh, his career average, which is 0.57. Uh, so he's definitely kind of kicked it up here over the past couple of years. And I hope for that particular player that that continues for him. Uh, it would certainly uh, put him in a realm where even I would be looking, uh, you know, looking his way in regards to some pot potential production. But for me, it was it's just that he's always kind of left you wanting more. You're, you're kind of expecting more out of this player. He d does have some injury history, uh, which comes into play a little bit here and there. But the one thing that really struck me when I was looking over his career stats, this is a player who has never hit over 50 points. Now, as our defenseman, as we know, that's that's not too bad. This guy kind of settles into a 42, 43, 44 points kind of per year average. And again, that's not necessarily a bad thing as maybe a second or even third or fourth defenseman. But it, it's just, I think for me, it becomes the pedigree of this player. He was a ninth overall selection. I've always really expected more out of him. I've always yeah. expected him to kind of hit that, you know, maybe a 60 or on pace for a 60 point, 61, 62, which, and I, I would have to 
uh, double check my math, he may be at that over the past couple of years here uh, with some of the points per games that he's been putting up. I, I just didn't figure it out in actual point production. But mm-hmm. I, if I'm not mistaken, he's getting close to those areas with his production the past couple of years. But it leaves you leaving uh, wanting more because of some of these injuries. I mean, even this year, right, he, he's currently at a uh, 0.66 point per game pace. 20 points in 30 games but again he's been injured so yeah. he's not he's not getting you the production that you want when he's when he's not in the lineup and yeah, and honestly, yeah. and and again this is probably a little bit more a personal maybe more of a personal feel on this particular player as you know listen i mean if if you can pick up a player that's getting you 43 or 44 points as a defenseman in our fantasy league uh you know that's a pretty good job if you can get your hands on one but i just feel like dougie hamilton has been that type of player that maybe one of our managers is traded for or whenever we're drafting him uh you know every september or october you're just expecting more out of that player period yeah and what's funny about him too is that so last year i had him and i I was going to protect him this year but i ended up he ended up being involved in the trade for patrick kane um my dad uh picked grabbed him because he he liked him and and if we're being honest or sorry if we're being fair about him for the last two seasons he's had in carolina he had 40 and 47 and 42 and 55 those are 60 plus seasons if they're in a full season um i'm thinking 1920 was there was an injury and then the shortened season last year uh no sorry i guess 1920 would have been a shortened season as shortened well. season yeah yeah, yeah. so two so, shortened uh, season on a, almost a point a game a pace so he had the, the the potential but then new jersey so i'm not surprised that you know his the production kind of fell fell off there he seemed to be a good fit in carolina i've heard rumors that he wasn't the greatest in, in the locker so in the locker room so potentially that's what got him out of carolina i know the the dollar amounts weren't going to add up so you know they trade dougie hamilton when you can bring in uh, tony d'angelo at like you know the a, a bargain basement price you haven't lost anything from carolina's perspective so that makes sense um but for dougie hamilton uh to I don't know to almost if the rumors are true um to, you know to, to leave your game up to a decision while he's you know he's toxic in the locker room buddy come on like you can be a lot better than that so uh so yeah he, you're right leave me wanting more and he's doing it again this year so and you, and you know what marty probably putting it this way would would maybe be a better way of putting it for fantasy managers or anybody that's listening out there um I think for me, what it comes down to is average draft position. I mean, uh, again, I, again, I kind of go through it. If you can nab this guy as your third and fourth defenseman, yeah, I, I the the upside the upside is great. Like yeah. maybe even maybe even as a second guy, but mm-hmm. it's just if, if you're looking at this guy and he ends up being kind of your your horse on defense, I just don't yeah. think that that's and I think that's where I'm, that's a little bit maybe more where I'm coming from. So that makes listen, sense. I mean, I'm certainly not completely you know. Uh, shitting the bed here in regards to Dougie Hamilton. He's a productive defenseman. Uh, just yeah. m- may- maybe picking him uh, at a better uh, draft position uh, yeah, moving forward with, with this guy. And and you know what? If you reap the benefits from, the la- like you're saying, the last two years, all the better for mm-hmm. it. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. You're up, buddy. Uh, if former teammate of his, actually, Andrei Shvechnikov is my first beauty. Um, I believe he's on your team, right? Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Big piece, um, big piece. 
<laughs> Honestly, everything about Carolina, I, I mean, we can talk about all day long about Carolina. They're, they're an amazing team, and, and you know, we can never get bored of talking about them because there's a lot of players on that team I could have long discussions about. But this guy is definitely one of them. Over his last six games, anyways, um, he's, he's had six goals on 20 shots. Um, he's more than that, though. He's been as consistent as you would hope on, on any team, but... With Carolina, it seems like everybody's consistent, but he's got, uh, I think he's at a point a game. He's got 44 and 43 with 20 of those being goals. Like he's having, is this a monster season for him? Probably not, but it, it's, it's the, it's, it goes to show you that Carolina doesn't need monster seasons because they're a monster team. They're so like up and down, or sorry, up and down the lineup. They're so consistent and so good. You don't need to have a monster season, but I feel like Shvetsnikov is is kind of, He's got the potential to have that monster season of like 80, pushing 90. He's got that pedigree. He, he can just do it, but he knows he doesn't have to. So there's like no pressure on him either. So that's the great thing about Carolina. So this is probably as much a, a Shvetsnikov number one as, as it is a Carolina number one, because I, like I said, I could just talk about these guys all day long. So, but today I picked Shvetsnikov. So good for you, Shvetsnikov. I'm sure you're listening. Um, second one up is uh, Padgett Line now. The thing about Patrick Laine, too, is that I actually really, really like him. He seems like he he's, I don't know, he for some reason, there's always an eight ball in front of him for some reason. And I don't understand why. I don't know if that's self-inflicted or what it is, but it always seems like there's a problem in front of him. So And, I, and, I, and it bothers me because I think when you see him go, it's just awesome. It's magic. He, he, he reminds me of Timo Solani in a way where I could just watch him all day. He seems so fluid and so effortless when he's doing it. So, But it, and it has been a bit of a tough year for him. I know he lost his father, so that, that's been yeah. kind of a shitty thing for him, and it's been difficult for him to deal with. But it's nice to see him go on this little bit of a stretch because, um, quite frankly, he needed it. Columbus needs him to have it, So, and hockey needs him to have it. So, But over his last six games, he's got 12 points. Seven of those are goals, so that's you know that's really nice, and that's what we like to see him do is score those goals. Um, this uh, this little stretch has now got him over a, a point a game at 28 and 27, and that's what I mean, only 27 games this year. So, you know, a bit of a disappointment in regards of that. He's not playing a whole lot, but when he is, he's very productive. So... He seems to fit in well in Columbus, and, and I do like what I'm seeing when he is rolling. So hopefully the inconsistencies are behind him, and now he's in a he's in a good spot, and, and Columbus can sort of reap in those benefits. So good for Patrick Lainey. Um My last beauty is uh, Mark Shifley, who I, I don't... It's weird to say that I don't think we've had anybody from Winnipeg on the beauties list. It may be... Nik uh, uh, Nikolai Ellers? Maybe, maybe Pionk. I think I, I think I had Pionk, Pionk, but I'm not sure. Okay. He so, didn't anyways, deserve to be on there. I take it back. I rescind it. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it is, is it is weird to suggest that, you know, Shifley's only making it on now because he's he's supposed to be way better than this. But that aside, he seems to be turning a corner right now and, and on an otherwise disappointing oh. year. So, but seven points in his last six games. Uh, he's kind of, he's actually on a, a three-game point streak with three goals and three assists. So that's really good. But and overall, not a bad season for him with 35 points in 39 games. But really, that is a disappointment for him and for Winnipeg. There's something weird going on in Winnipeg not really sure what's going on he's not the only player who's kind of overall had a disappointing season but Shifley is 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 a much better player than this and and uh things will hopefully turn a corner for them and him maybe this is the the beginning stages of that so we'll see um but he is on a bit of a nice stretch right now so if you can pick him up in your in your pool take advantage of it because uh, he's like I said he's on a good little stretch um, so and now my beast is um, not to be picking on Edmonton, but Ryan Nugent Hopkins for for everything that Ryan Nugent Hopkins is, what he isn't is consistent and and 
And another thing that he isn't is he's not a goal scorer. Um, you know, he's six goals on the season. So as as a whole, I know Edmonton sort of like has their their upper echelon of McDavid and Drysital, and you know that's your core, and you can never their money in the bank. But quite frankly, with the new contract, Nugent Hopkins was kind of supposed to be in that as well. I'm not suggesting that he's at the same tier as those two, but I'm saying that he was supposed to be as consistent as they could hope for the second tier scoring, and he is absolutely not that at all. And he was supposed to lead that second tier. So, you know, because you can live and, and, and rest easily knowing that McDavid and Dreisaitl are going to do what they do. But it helps when you've got that second tier and someone to lead that. And Nuge is supposed to be that second tier leader. And he's not. He's just not doing anything. Uh, six goals on this season. I know at one point, I think it was like he was 20 games in before he even got a goal. Yeah. Now, I know he's not being paid to score goals, but he's paid to score more than six after 40 something. So this is what I mean is that as a whole, there's a lot of people in Edmonton you can pick. But for me, this is a big one. Um, your first year with this new contract. I know there's other issues going on in Edmonton, but Brian, you're supposed you were supposed to be that you know, the guy we're not worrying about anymore. You figured it out. Last couple of years, you were pretty good. You showed the, the, some promise, and that's why you got that contract. This is a huge regression for you. Hopefully, it's just a blip in the radar, but um, yeah, not impressed with you at all this year. And uh, hopefully, next year, you come out uh, way more consistent than what you've been this year. Well, I mean, I, I mean, at the end of the day, I, I think, oh, geez, I did it again. So... In regards to Ryan Nugent Hopkins, I mean, I think you were just you were looking for him to kind of stabilize his own line, right? I, I mean, yeah, exactly. once every, once everything was said and done, you were hoping that McDavid would have his line, Drysdale would have his, and Nuge would have his. We've seen what that's been able to do in regards to championships uh, and having three centers down the middle. Pittsburgh was doing it for years, so mm -hmm. I mean, you know, same thing with Tampa Bay. I mean, they've got some depth at center as well, so. I can definitely see where you were hoping that Nugent Hopkins was going to offer that a little bit and certainly has fallen short of that. I mean, the mm -hmm. team itself has been, again, like we've talked about at length, kind of trying to find it here for the past couple of months as well. So, mm -hmm. well, we, we will see how this kind of plays out here with Edmonton over the course of the next little while here. But um, listen, as as with every week, we've got so much to, to chew on, so much to delve into in regards to the league-wide. league, league -wide. It's going to be a really, really interesting uh, march towards the, uh, the trade deadline here. And then after that, I mean, you're going to start to see we're, we're going to know which teams are kind of going in certain yeah. directions. And it'll really be interesting to see how teams take uh, their rosters going into the summer here as well. So, you know, yep. uh, lot, lot, lots left on the bone, uh, lots of meat left on the bone here in regards to the season. And in particular, our uh, our uh, fantasy league as well. So we'll see how things continue to play out here over the course of uh, over the next few months. Yeah, and I, I honestly feel like uh, there's for as disappointing as the season has been for some teams out there, I think there's still a lot of room to be entertained, at, we'll say at the very least, because uh, the NHL is down the stretch is oh, always yeah. entertaining to see what teams can pull it in, uh, pull it out at the last second. So I think you're going to see a little bit of that this year, too. So still, still lots of entertaining stuff to happen. Thanks to everyone out there for listening. If you're interested in reaching out to us, 
You can email us at twoguysaleagueandsomeguests at gmail.com. You can find our latest episodes at anchor.fm slash twogalag. Or you can follow us on Twitter, where you can find all of our info. Our handle is at twogalag. That's the number two, followed by G-A-L-A-G. Don't forget to like, follow, and share. Thanks for listening, and until next time. Yeah.